Welcome to Day Zero Update for July 25th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Logi. I'm Brandon Perkins. I'm Dan Red Victorio. And I'm uh, Filippo Adolfo. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to do this, given I'm just a guest. <laughs> but hey, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, so we got Phil here because we've got a fairly big announcement from this past week. Although, um, in hindsight, I'm pretty sure like this thing has kind of been an open secret for the last couple of years. It's just uh, that they they now yeah. made it official. Yeah, this is kind of the Valve thing of there's a lot of things going on in yeah. there, mm-hmm. and whether it actually happens or not is a fifty fifty chance. Yeah. yeah. And usually it's a failed chance most of the time. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. one of those things that actually happened. Yep, yeah. This one's totally happening. And it's a lot of very interesting stuff going on with that one. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get to that here a little bit later. Uh, we got some Sony news. They're giving away some free stuff and getting some uh, content into some of the uh, free-to-play games and uh, other popular multiplayer games. Yeah. Uh, there's some weird stuff going on with Nintendo Switch Online mm-hmm. that I'm going to take a wager that at least most of us have never heard of any of these games that are coming to it. Uh, but yeah, then Square Enix leaked its own game for some reason. At least two As you do. Here. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, Super Robot Wars 30 is finally coming to the West. It's the first game in the series. Uh, we got some Netflix news. We'll talk a little bit about the Switch OLED model. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of delays got announced, and EA Play happened. Their live thing, they announced some interesting stuff. And then the big bombshell of the week involving Activision Blizzard. We'll get into that here at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get to any of that news, we'll be talking about what we've been playing. I will kick it off here. Uh, finished up my move last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been kind of getting settled here, and now I've got my desk and uh, TV stand and all that, so I can actually start putting stuff down and actually acting like I'm going to live here, <laughs> uh, which has also made uh, my desire for better uh, headphones for my consoles and whatnot uh, more of a thing that I want, mm-hmm. uh, especially for the the PS5 stuff where... Uh, there's some real good audio there, especially the the 3D audio stuff. I definitely want some more of that, so it has me really thinking about getting the uh, uh, whatever it's called, the Pulse headset, the new one they put out. Uh, thinking yeah. about that. Uh, that way, so I can just have a headset that's attached to my PC and one to my PS5 and kind of not have to switch a headset back and forth, especially when it has an absurdly long, like, 10-foot cable. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous uh, to move around. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, been kind of the the one downside. Uh, my internet seems to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 200 down. So yeah. I downloaded, I I tested out and downloaded uh, Death Stranding on my PS5, and it took about 40 minutes for yeah. a 50 gig game. But yeah, that's about right. Re- pretty respectable. Yeah. Or I was like, okay, shit. Uh, I can actually download stuff now. Yeah. Huh? I can download stuff and not be like, well, I'll see this tomorrow. Mm kind of thing uh even though it seems like there's some parts of the day where maybe it's not as fast as that which i assume is like when everybody else is using our internet mm-hmm. pretty much yeah uh, so it doesn't always get it but it's uh a lot better than what i was getting before which was like 25 down hmm. uh, so 
that's at least a, a good improvement on that. The only downside is the upload is like 11 instead of what I was getting before, which was kind of like 25. Mm. So it's about half of what it was before, which is good enough to stream, do that kind of stuff. Uh, but uploading videos takes about twice as long, which is still better than where I was a few years ago. But uh, it's the only real downside of this new internet uh, situation. But uh, for the most part, everything's good, it seems like. And because of COVID, they have the whole self-install stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had to go through with an app on my phone. And for whatever reason, there's like three cable spots in this apartment. I don't know why. Uh, the first one I picked didn't seem to be the one that works. So I picked another one, and that one seemed to work. Mm. Uh, luckily, it's not too far away from where my desk is at. Uh, so it's kind of sitting on a windowsill, the modem, uh, with the router and everything else sitting on the desk. Uh, maybe I'll go buy another cable cable for that. Uh, but not really worried about it for the time being. But uh, yeah, that's kind of that. Uh, been playing some games. Uh, been playing some Fortnite because the new season that started uh, a little while ago mm-hmm. uh, has some interesting stuff in it for the Battle Pass. Uh, this season is about alien invasions. Yep. Uh, there are areas where aliens have taken over, and I guess there's alien trees. I don't really understand all of this just yet because I'm just starting in it, but the the main reason I wanted to uh, put some time into this and get the battle pass is that uh, one of the well, the way they're doing the, the battle pass is pretty interesting instead of it just being a linear line of stuff that you're unlocking mm-hmm. uh, you get these battle pass stars as a currency and it just shows you all of the items uh, in pages and so you have to buy like a certain amount of uh, items in the first page to be able to get stuff in the second and so on and so forth uh, too. I think there's a, a second set of pages that you have to buy like everything from the first set to start unlocking that stuff. But in the first set uh, there are, so the, it seems like the, the theme song for this season is a uh, piece called Sonny's song. Mm-hmm. It's ska. Yep. <laughs> uh, one of the emotes that you can unlock, and I think on the third page, which I unlocked, is uh, a skank dance emote. Yep. Nice. So now I can skank in Fortnite. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Fortnite's done. This is nowhere it can go up from here. And the song's actually pretty good. Hmm. Uh, if you want to check it out. Uh, it's on YouTube. I saw it. Yeah. It's well worth checking out. Uh, for the song, it just plays on the menus uh, when you're doing that. It's not like uh, Rocket League where they have anthems. Uh, which for Pride Month, they put out a pack of free uh, like LGBT-related songs from, I assume, uh, bands and artists and such that were uh, LGBT, mm-hmm. uh, which I looked in that later and found out, oh, Montero from Little Nas X is in there. Yeah. So that's what mine is. So anytime I score a goal, I get to hear some of that song. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, been pretty good. And yeah, Fortnite, still good. So really quite good, liking it a lot. Uh, just figuring out what all these uh, quests are for, you know, what I need to do. Uh, it seems like they have, like, alien creatures that you can hunt beyond just the wolves and the boars and stuff that you can find, which just drop meat that you can eat to regain your health, as if there's not already a ton of ways to do that stuff. But 
there's some pretty cool stuff in there uh, for the season, so that's been fun. I also jumped into Fall Guys because their season just started this past week. Uh, I think this is season five. Uh, so there's more games they've added. These are all jungle focused. And so their battle pass has uh, the Splunky guy in it, uh, both parts, top and bottom, for the costumes. Oh, so you can get nice. that, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and I think for the launch of the Masters of the Universe show, they had like a barbarian outfit that you could buy in the daily stuff. Uh, but we'll get to the other reason I want to get back into Fall Guys uh, here in a little bit uh, for one of the big news bits for what they're doing pretty soon. Uh, but that's another reason. And uh, yeah, also been playing some Death Store. I think we might hold this uh, Danrib so we can talk a bit more before we start the news stuff. So uh, since you've beaten it right, Danrib, mm-hmm. Danrib might not be at the. Yeah. Let's Sorry, I've got some water. Um, yeah, I have beaten it. Yeah, so we'll talk a bit more about that, what that is, uh, how it turns out. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but also, I've been playing Jetpack Joyride. I was trying to get the last of the trophies in that game. Uh, which just basically requires you doing the the daily uh, event, which is just you play, you get these three tokens, S, A, and M. Uh, It doesn't have to be in one run, uh, but you do that five days in a row and you advance this uh, counter, I guess. It's a set of five, you unlock an item or maybe a group of items, like you get five revives so that you can, uh, when you fail in in a run, you can just sort of keep going for free. Uh, as well as just money or other stuff. But once you get to the fifth one, it unlocks a costume piece. And the the last trophy that I assume most people would run into is one where you get to do that uh, ten times. Can't miss mm-hmm. a day, uh, at least for one set of five. You have to do five days in a row. Mm. You have to do that ten times. So I finally got to ten, and I haven't played the game since. Uh, not because it's bad, just because that was a lot of jetpack joyride to play on a fairly consistent basis for the past a uh, few months, so mm. glad to be done with that, and I can just play it just to uh, get the other dumb stuff that's in it. Uh, lots of fun little costumes and uh, over the uh, jetpacks. Uh, they got a f- bunch of neat little ones, like a, a Halloween pumpkin that just spits out candy instead of you know bullets. Uh, there's one that's just a, it's just like a leaf blower that you're just using to fly around. You know, a bunch of silly stuff, but. Uh, that's been fun, and that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Uh, yeah, well, uh, the first big thing you need to know is that I fixed, I fixed my PS4. So, yeah, um, and I, I won't go too much into detail of it here since I talked all about it during uh, Let's Weekend, where I basically or at least attempted to describe how the whole process went. But just in, just in a short summary... Um, the whole thing only cost me about $45 total. Uh, 40 was for the uh, new hard drive that I got, and the 5 was for the thumb drive I needed to put the um, the, the uh, most recent uh, update file into the PS4. But it was... Honestly, I am shocked at how unbelievably simple and easy it actually was. Like, literally, the whole process from, like, me taking off the uh, plastic little casing part of the PS4 
to finishing the reinitialization process. The whole thing took me about roughly 30 to 40 minutes tops. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty uh, much the hardest part was getting that damn door off. Actually, no. For me, the hardest part was getting those damn screws back in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because, you know, it's those tiny little, like, three-by-eight screws that are, like, super short. And, you know, if you're not careful, it's really easy to accidentally screw them in sideways. Yeah, cross-thread them, or then it, like, throws the alignment out of whack so you can't get the other ones in. Yeah, yeah and then there was, you know, putting in... Yeah, but the, probably the most difficult of all of them that I had was putting in that big fucking screw at the end. Mm. Because I had to basically, like, move the PS4 on the ground this way and that just so I could get a somewhat working angle that I could use to, you know, put that screw in so it wouldn't accidentally pop back out while I was trying to screw it in. But, Mm. again, it was insanely simple. The whole process was far cheaper than it would have been if I had to send it in to get repaired. Mm. Um but anyway, the point is, uh, because I got all that, I was able to start playing all the stuff that, you know, I'd been wanting to play more of, but because I had to deal with the fact that I had a PS4 with a hard drive that was fixing to kick the bucket, I had to play, you know, small. Um, hmm. So Genshin Impact is the one that I've really been playing the most of recently. Um I am now several hours into that game, and I have not spent a dime on it, so... You know, literally the only money that's been spent is the money that I spend, you know, for my internet connection. <laughs> mm. um, and, uh, yeah, that game game is still just a lot of fun, extremely addictive. Um, it, you know, like, I, I will admit that, but, and I mean, it's not necessarily unusual to, like, any other kind of MMO that you would play, but uh, I... Don't quite like the idea that they lock parts of the game's story off on your adventure level. Um, But then again, that's kind of something that other MMOs do anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Plus, the game gives you several opportunities um, from side quests to just exploring places to, you know, increase that level. So, no big issue. Um, I am uh, finished up the story arc from the Mondstadt part of the map, and now I'm in Li Yu, which is, well, it's, it's China, basically. <laughs> um, it's Genshin Impact. It's by a Chinese company, so you knew a Chinese part of the map was going to be there, and that's what Li Yu is. It is China. Mm-hmm. Um, the language is Chinese. The food is Chinese. The names are Chinese. The imagery and architecture is all Chinese. It's China. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's... Uh, Still a hell of a lot of fun. Um, so I've been playing that. I also got back to playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition um, because, uh, you know, now that I don't have to deal with a, with a shitty hard drive anymore, I can play that without all the slowdown and crap I had to deal with previously. Uh, and also, um, and uh, I played on my Switch the Silver Case 2425, which is a collection of two remastered uh, early Suda51 games. Um, I have my review up for it, up on Smashpad, and I won't say too much, uh, but just to say, it's early Suda51 and early uh, Grasshopper manufacture games, so 
Uh, it, you know what it, what you're getting into when a Suda 51 game is involved, and that is absolutely what you're getting into here. They're basically both uh, visual novel-style adventure games, kind of like Snatcher or Police Knots, um, but they, <coughs> they use um, a lot of uh, <coughs> mixed medium. Excuse me. <coughs> they use a lot of... Uh, mixed visual mediums to sort of tell the story. Um, everything from uh, your standard, like, text boxes and stuff to things like computer screens, uh, animatics, full-on animated sequences, and even full-motion video. Um, and uh, the, the, my one problem with these games was that they, for adventure games, they had fairly cumbersome uh, and kind of opaque control schemes. Uh, so much so that in the first game, when you're first starting out, like, the characters in there said, like, yeah, the controls are kind of weird, but you'll get used to it. So, yeah. Also, and I don't have this on the show notes, but I might as well go ahead and bring it up. Uh, because of a certain story that we'll be talking about later on, I was reminded, oh, yeah, I haven't played Blackthorn in a while. And guess what? I have the Blackthorn version that you can download off of Blizzard's website without paying them a dime. So... I've been enjoying that quite a bit, too. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. Dan Reb, what about you? Yeah, I've been playing a bunch of stuff over the last two weeks. Um, so I guess I'll start off with the stuff I have on Switch. Uh, I've been playing some of the Monster Hunter Stories 2 demo. Um, I actually have the game, but I figured I wanted to get as far as I possibly could in the demo before I go ahead and start it. Mm. And the demo is quite beefy. I mean, I'm like two hours in, and I have no idea when this will end. So I'm like, man, should I have bought the game this early? Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's, it's it's really interesting so far. I haven't played the uh, first Mon- uh, Monster Hunter stories, so I'm like uh, kind of going in blind, aside from the fact that I do enjoy the uh, regular Monster Hunter games. Um, mm-hmm. So for this one, if you have absolutely no experience with Monster Hunter at all, you can go ahead and jump into this and still enjoy it. Um, it's basically Monster Hunter Pokemon, uh, for lack of a better explanation. <laughs> and with this one, it's a turn-based battle system. So it's pretty much Capcom's take at a JRPG. Um, as we know, they haven't done that since like Breath of Fire, and that'll probably never come back. So uh, this is probably it. Um, the graphics are pretty impressive. It's a cutesy level 5-ish kind of look. So if you remember... Um, games like Nino Kuni, it kind of looks like that except, you know, Studio Ghibli is not involved at all, so I wouldn't go that far, but um, from what I've I've played so far, it's definitely enjoyable. Um, The battle system is uh, pretty much rock, paper, scissors, so uh, power attacks are better than technical, speed is better than power, technical is better than speed, and when you go against tougher monsters, um, when they're almost dead, they'll start to mix up their attacks, and you pretty much have to counter it your own way as well. So basically, if you were to use a power attack and the uh, monster you're fighting is using a speed attack, um, your, your attack will be negated while the monster will go ahead and have the upper hand on you. So that's the kind of thing you're dealing with. And um, you do have a partner who will pretty much do what she wants. Uh, so you can go ahead and change how aggressive or um, passive that she can be and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, if you're into the Monster Hunter universe and know what all the monsters are, you'll pretty much be in familiar enough territory, and like it has a lot of the same like sounds and stuff, so it'll go ahead and um, bring that kind of stuff up. 
Um, I'm also getting a little deeper into Mario Golf uh, Super Rush. This game came out like when I was in Seattle, so I didn't really um, get much, much of a chance to play it. And uh, yeah, this this game's pretty hard. You know, I've been I've been playing uh, some of the multiplayer with my brother, and I always lose to him despite the fact that I know golf more than he does. So I have no idea like why he's doing so much better than me. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting in that regard. Um, <clears throat> the last time I talked about it, I did complain about the fact that there aren't um, as many courses as there were in previous Mario Golf games. So that kind of like messes up the $60 value and, you know, Nintendo charges that because they know that they'll make it. And um, yeah, but aside from all that, like the, the game is still fun. I'm about maybe halfway through the main story mode because I've unlocked half the courses now and I'm struggling with the um, the XC courses, which actually uh, force you to play through how many holes your area has. So, for example, the part that I'm stuck in um, has nine holes and you're supposed to be able to finish those nine holes within the 60 shots. And uh, I've been sucking at that so far because you actually have to choose which holes you want to um, focus on. And sometimes they'll be like on the cliff side and you'll start, so you'll start in the bottom. So you'll have to actually aim your ball and make sure that you don't hit hit, hit the cliffs. And, you know, seeing your ball um, bounce in places you don't want it to is kind of frustrating. Mm. And yeah, I've been losing a lot in that regard. But aside from that, the game's um, really fun so far. Um, I do wish that there was uh, a little bit more moral craziness. Like, you know, you have some enemies that are interfering with your ball, but aside from that, like, nothing really feels as top to turby as it did on, like, GameCube, the, the, the Toadstool tour, tour game. So, um, yeah, like, if you're looking for a multiplayer golf game, this is fun, but everybody's golf is still a better game, in my opinion. And then I also put an hour into uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. Um, as we all know, this game is pretty much a, an HD remaster of uh, the game that originally came out on the Wii, and it's yep. been a bit of a divisive uh, entry in the series, primarily because of people's struggles with motion controls. Um, mm-hmm. When I played it back in the day, um, I didn't really have any issues with the controls at all. Um, but, you know, there there definitely was um, issues with, with, with fatigue, so I wouldn't be able to play it for, like, uh, a long period of time. So I've been playing uh, the game primarily with the Pro Controller. And again, I'm only an hour in, and that's barely even scratching the surface because you know my main issue with skyward sword isn't the controls it's the fact that it was long for really no reason there's a lot of filler um in the game that doesn't really need to be there and um in my opinion this is probably the most uh linear zelda in the series like um people make a big deal about breath of the wild being an open world game even though it's honestly been open world ever since like uh uh, ever since like the the old 2D games like Link to the Past, uh, Link's Awakening, like they 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 all had an open world feel. I mean, like even the original one wasn't was an open world game, and uh, on that on that definition of it. So uh, this one kind of like shoehorns you into following a certain path, which makes sense. I mean, it came out on a Wii. Like um, the game came out like uh, toward the tail end of the Wii's existence. So like uh, in that regard. People bought a Wii like to play Wii Sports, and they were hoping that they can get into a little bit of more of a more of a core experience with Skyward Sword. But you know, it isn't it isn't to say it's bad. Um, so far, I'm enjoying it. Um, the controls, uh, honestly, I'm not um, um, 
I'm not seeing anything bad with with the combat. Um, they've mapped all of the uh, sword play to the right stick, and it is a bit awkward at first. But in my opinion, what's more awkward is the free roaming camera. Um, the original game did not have that, and now you do. But in order to actually move your camera around with the right stick, you have to hold the L button, which is kind of awkward at first because you know why would you have to hold the L button in order to really like move around? And I haven't really seen a reason why they they made this decision. Um, it's, it's good that it's there, but I really wish that you could just use the right stick to just um, go ahead and move it. But considering the right stick is also uh, tied to the uh, sword, you know, that's that. I guess that, that, that that's the main reason. But uh, I wish this could have been uh, done a little bit better. But uh, aside from that, yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, I also played through and finished um, Scarlet uh, Scarlet Nexus, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a game I've been talking about for few weeks now primarily through the demo and um my fears with the demo were actually quite realized um the main thing i complained about was the fact that the cutscenes um weren't really cutscenes at all um they're really just conversations with layers being thrown on top of each other so if mm-hmm. i were to compare it to anything it would be like persona 5 like for example when like any character, like like let's say Ryuji had had a, had a big reaction, you'd see like this big part of the screen just covered with his eyes and stuff like that. That's kind of what Scott Nexus does for most of the game, and it made cutscenes pretty annoying. Um, to me, it seemed like a cop out for um, really not really show, uh, putting any production value into like things like their faces and expressions, just so that they could like you know add the JPEGs on top. And it seemed like pretty low effort, which is really disappointing considering Scarlet Nexus is like one of the first JRPGs available on next gen. And, you know, when it, when it was first unveiled in the Xbox showcase, like it was a really impressive looking game. And um, that was disappointing in that regard. But aside from that, the game is actually extremely fun. Um, like I said, I uh, beat it for the first time. And this game actually requires two playthroughs because there's, there's two main characters. Um, and I used the female Kasane who, uh, from from what I've read, um, actually has like the better story of the two, but it's kind of like near Automata where you actually want to beat it twice so you can get the uh, multiple um, the multiple uh, viewpoints of the story. And the the, the story is solid. It's um, standard sci-fi fare. Um, the main thing though is that uh, it it'll be easy to be confused because like they use a lot of like terminology that isn't really explained very well, and you also find out that. Um, there's an anime series it's, it's connected to, and again, the game was made first, but the anime was sort of made as an aside, so it's kind of similar to how Final Fantasy XV um, told a lot of its lore, which is kind of annoying the way they did it, um, but again, Scarlet Nexus is good because of its battle system, and um, honestly, like I, I haven't really played anything like it. Um, if I were to compare its battle system to anything, it would probably be with, be with the uh, Tales games, except that uh, it has a little bit of control involved because you are messing around with environments and throwing them at your enemies and things like that. And uh, being able to use uh, the various abilities that your uh, uh, compatriots have really add a certain depth to it. Like This is actually what I'm expecting um, Guardians of the Galaxy to be. So uh, in that regard, like it'll be pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to the second playthrough just because I feel like I've gotten enough with it, but it was enjoyable for enough to, you know, maybe want to go back to it. But with all the stuff we have coming out, uh, I don't know if that'll happen anytime soon. 
Um, and then lastly, I've been playing Death's Door. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk, talk about it now, Chris. Uh, yeah, sure, we can go. Yeah, uh, so Death's Door came out on Tuesday. Um, it's on Xbox and PC, but it's also not on Xbox Game Pass, which is something that like people have complained about. And, you know, um, this was eventually going to happen. Like, uh, the Xbox would definitely get an exclusive and, like, you know, you'd actually have to pay for it. But... Um, with the value you get in this 20 bucks, like, um, I am thoroughly impressed by it. Uh, I definitely did not expect to beat it within one week. In fact, I didn't expect to get very far with it at all, but the gameplay loop is just simply fantastic. Um, the game will draw a lot of comparisons to, uh, the titles that Supergiant made or, or even like, um, The Legend of Zelda. But to me, it's more of a combination of both early Zelda as well as like some Soulsborne stuff in there. Um, it's not really a roguelite um, because, and uh, like, like in my opinion, most roguelites actually have uh, procedural or like random um, level design. Whereas here, like, it's all pretty much just laid out for you. So um, when you die, like, it truly is your fault. Like, um, the enemies will respawn every time you die, but at, at the same time, like, you'll know what to expect once you get to a certain part. It's, it's not like Splunky where, or or Hades where, like, you know. If you die, like, that's it. You, you go back to the level, it's not the same. Um, here, it's a totally different kind of thing. And the level design is great. Like, um, you start off in what's called the Hall of Doors, and it's kind of like this Monsters, Inc. kind of deal, where um, instead of, like, scaring kids, you're just uh, this crow who's also a reaper, and you have to, like, um, just told, get these souls. You get to sign these souls, and yeah. you have to collect the soul... Uh, that's your only assignment, and if you lose it, they tell you, you know, time keeps going for you, you can get older, because uh, that's your active thing. And so, like, your first assignment is just take down this big soul, dude. Uh, it's not difficult boss, it's just kind of a, a tentacle boss, just slaps them down, or, you know, spins around on occasion, you get the pattern, it's not too bad, but Conveniently, somebody comes by and just steals the soul before you can get it uh, and runs off and then entangles you in this whole thing. Yeah, and it actually does a good job of like um, getting you into the game. The tutorial uh, stages are pretty solid. Like it, it tells you how to play it. And then as you get better, that's when they go ahead and put you against this first boss. And then after you beat this first boss, like you're in, uh, you end up going into this graveyard and it's another like, um, level of stuff you have to do is to really to really get you into that flow, and then you end up fighting this uh, boss who is actually a big to- a tower castle thing, and then after yeah. you beat that, like that's where the actual game begins. Um, you know they 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 show it to title sequence and whatnot, and yeah, like what what Chris was saying about like the um the the soul that you have to get in order like you know do do your job properly. There's a, there, there's, a, there's a whole lot more to that, and that plays into the story, and I'm, I'm not going to go uh, too, too deep with that. But um, the main thing is that, um, again, the, the production value, even though it's just like your simple um, 2D action game, is like definitely up there with a, with, with a game like you know, uh, Hades Celeste. Like th- th- this is easily like the best indie game I've played in a long, long time. Um, and this was made primarily by two people with support from four more people. So the fact that like the staff was so small, yet they were able to make a game of like, um, with, with, with this polished quality is uh, simply amazing. the The battle system is is pretty straightforward. 
uh, you gain access to a sword uh, at the beginning of the game, and you pretty much have three swipes and before you have to like uh, recharge again. And then you have a rolling ability. When you roll and then you swipe your sword, uh, you get a, bit, a little bit of a power bonus. Um, and you also gain access to uh, magic and um, projectiles that are tied to uh, the, the the left trigger and the the, the B button. So um, yeah, like you only have the uh, those uh, two main abilities. So it's sword, projectile, and roll. And um, every enemy you'll come uh, you come by in the game will. Uh, pretty much just have its have its its own way to defeat it like you know you can go ahead and just stab at it if you want but uh trying to figure out the the best way to kill everything and re- receive the least amount of damage is really part of the little puzzle as well and then like you know talking about puzzles it's very zelda in that regard um a lot of them revolve around like uh, hitting switches uh just in time and opening doors and things like that and um the beauty of it all is that every puzzle pretty much has a reason to be there. Like they're there to unlock certain shortcuts um, in order to get, get through the level safely because uh, this is a game where you will die, but you'll also respawn at the same, um, at the same checkpoint. And the further you get, um, the easier it is to actually find out where you're supposed to be just because you actually um, found these shortcuts and stuff like that. And then like the bosses, that's where the, um, the souls uh, comparison uh, comes through because, you know, with the, with the Souls games, a lot of it was really just uh, being a weapon sponge. And it's sort of the same way in uh, Death's Door. So it's not like Zelda where you have to figure out the pattern and then stab it three times. Here with Death's Door, you have to figure out the pattern and then get enough hits in, uh, get your dodges in and make sure like you don't die. And part of what makes it um, hard yet accessible is the fact that um, you have a limited amount of health. And the only way to actually heal yourself is through these pots that they have in various levels. And you actually have to plant a seed that you'll find, and then you'll be able to um, restore your health from there. And you only have so many seeds, so you pretty much have to have to pick and choose like where you want your heal points to be. So whether you want it to be near a save point or whether you want it to be near like an arena battle sort of thing, um, that's where you'll want to put them, and it's all pretty cool. Um, it took me about 15 hours to finish, or not 15 hours, 13 hours to finish. And even then, there's uh, plenty of post-game content. Or not really post-game, but there's a lot of um, collectibles to find. There's like 24 of them, I believe. And all of them um, are connected to like a greater part of the story. Like There was one part of the game where, um, because I had a certain item, and then I talked to this character or this NPC when I had it, all of a sudden it turned into a boss fight. And I was like, wow, I did not expect, expect this at all. So like... Just seeing the amount of polish and the amount of care and love uh, put into the game um, is, is really impressive, especially even after you beat it. Like, there's there, there, there's still so much more to do. And, like, um, honestly, like, after the podcast, I'm gonna, I'm, um, I really want to jump back in. But the fact that it's only on Xbox and, like, you know, not on PlayStation doesn't really influence me to really try to want to complete it because, you know, I, I'd rather get a platinum trophy and that, that, that that's just me personally speaking out of, like, preference. But yeah, it's a devolving digital game, and like they've really been hitting that out of the park as finding as far as like finding what games to publish and stuff. Real of it. Yeah, and, um, that's pretty much it. Unless you have more to say, Chris. Yeah, I was gonna say the I'm at the Urn Witches section, basically about to fight her. Nice. Uh, and I would say it feels like a Zelda game without the uh, slow 
uh, tutorial intros that those games tend to have. Because uh, it basically just throws you into a quick area before that first boss. It's like, here's you know how you attack, roll, uh, shoot a bow, that kind of stuff. And like, all right, here you go. And it kind of slowly, you know, rolls in other things that you can do, like the, the roll with a power attack as like an overhead swipe kind of thing mm-hmm. you can do, and as well as some other things that you can do. And it's smartly, I think you can do all the moves uh, from the start. Uh, you just don't know that they are things you can do. Uh, like, yeah. you know, shooting through fire uh, to carry that to other places. There's just no real places to do that early on until you get to the Urn Witches area. Uh, things like the the weird, like, manholes that are like the Super Mario Sunshine manholes. Uh, that is a downstab off of a higher ledge kind of thing that's I would have never figured it out if I didn't see somebody mention it. I saw some people say, like, I almost beat the game. I never knew that was a thing. I actually did not know that either. Um, I remember seeing, like, all these manholes, but I never actually knew how to open them. So, yeah, yeah, that's something new I just learned. Yeah, so they essentially just fall down into a pipe under the ground. You just follow it where it leads, and it takes you to uh, some sort of, you know, collectible or whatever. Yeah, I've seen those around, and I never knew how to open them. Okay, Yeah, I thought that was going to be, like, some special teleport thing. Uh, but then I saw that and I was like, okay, so I need to look for, you know, a place to climb up to and drop onto them, uh, that kind of thing. But also I like that the, the souls part of it is kind of that when you kill enemies, you get souls from them. Uh, but a lot of the fodder is just, you know, a couple souls. You're not really, uh, given any sort of incentive to grind with them. Uh, you want to find the sort of soul drops that are around and kill the bosses those give you the bigger yeah. amounts, uh, like a hundred at a time. So it's definitely de-emphasizing sort of just grinding out enemies. Uh, but yeah, the yeah, doors like are kind you, of your you'll point. eventually uh, get to a point where like sometimes, cause, cause again, um, every time you die, the enemies respawn and like, sometimes it's not even worth like trying to kill them again. You can just go ahead and run by as long as you're not uh, caught in an arena kind of battle. And yeah. again, like the, the stuff they drop often isn't worth it because uh, your first upgrade is available at like 300 souls and they double like it's from there. 400 for each of them. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's like 400 and then 800 and then like more than a thousand. So it, it, it gets to a point where killing everything is often, is oftentimes like more trouble than it's actually worth. Yeah. Especially because some of the early enemies are just not really doing anything when you're around. There's a couple that will rush to you. Uh, but you can kind of just run around them, uh, but you often find shortcuts. You can just skip them entirely, so you don't have to exactly. worry about that stuff as much. Unless you're just like, oh, I knew how to, you know, I was like, oh, I saw these fire pits around the the initial area. Once I figured that, out, I was like, I'll go look around see if there's anything I could do, and there wasn't, unfortunately. Because uh, I assume you get some sort of like fire spell or something that you can actually. Do to light up. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll eventually get a, get a fireball that'll like you know you, you won't have to shoot your arrow to fire anymore. You just you just use a fireball. Yeah, that's what it looked like when I was looking around. But yeah, there's uh, they have uh, Zelda collectibles, which is one for the health upgrades, one for magic, which is your bow. Uh, you just find these big giants uh, heads hidden in caves or whatever. Uh, that kind of yeah, stuff is um, pretty wild. I actually, I actually only found a few, and I beat the final boss with only like four health bars. And yeah, yeah health bars are pretty much equal to hearts in Zelda. 
And, you know, like a, a lot of people that I saw on Twitter beat it with like six health bars. And I was like, wow, OK, I beat it with four. So I guess I'm pretty good at this game. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, at least one or two in that initial area because uh, they have a lot of uh, the game is kind of isometric in its camera style. And there's a couple areas where you go around a corner and the camera will turn and show you there's other stuff back there. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind it's, of it's, it's actually mostly asymmetric. Yeah. Uh, so there's that kind of thing going on. Uh, yeah, and I haven't found it to be too hard. The only times I've died is just running into like a mini boss enemy and just not either having the health to really learn its uh, patterns or just doing stupid stuff. Uh, yeah, but they do right. have some neat puzzle stuff in that urn witch's uh, house. Uh, that is sort of pretty well done because there's a lot of these. You have to break these specific pots to open up doors, that kind of stuff. And there's one room where they are hidden in the reflection in the floor. Yeah. Uh, so you have to kind of explore the room. And so like, okay, that's there. So the pot would be kind of here to attack. That yeah, kind of it, it, it has sort of that Nintendo flair where like no moment is wasted. As long as you're exploring and you have like the, the abilities that you need, if you go ahead and go to go off the beaten path, you'll often be rewarded with whatever it is, whatever it is, whether it's an upgrade or like um, a collectible item that'll affect the the sub stories. Like it's all it's all really in, uh, meaningful stuff, and, then, and there's a lot of it. Yeah, uh, and I do love the sort of the title card stuff they do. Uh, that's how they introduce the game's name is like a late title card. Uh, show you like what that store is. Uh, what else? There's a character you meet when you're going to the Urn Witch that is named pot. Pothead. Yeah. It's a head title card. It's just pot. It's actually a pot. Yeah. His head is a pot. is like a, uh, a ploy to get uh, eternal life. Is that she turns <laughs> his head into a pot uh, with, with soup in it that he offers yeah. you to eat. <laughs> so I'm just like sitting here. Am I eating his brains? Is this just a thing that just constantly generates? I don't know, but... Sure, dude. Yeah, well, the the, uh, the crow doesn't want to eat the food anyway, so that's uh, yeah, that's one thing. And he's creeped out by it, but yeah, that is uh, uh, been enjoying this game a lot. the The one issue I had, I'm playing on Steam, as I got it on a discount on the Fanatical store. Uh, that uh, it was just kind of stuttering mm-hmm. a bit at times, like it was running. The frames per second on the Steam version was showing me like 75, uh, with VSync on but it was still kind of stuttering a bit. Uh, and if I turned off VSync, it would go up to like random numbers between like 120 and 200. So gotcha. like, it can't be running at this frame rate and still having this issue. Mm-hmm. And on their Steam forums, the one of the devs was like, well, we'll have to look into this, but for the time being, you know, turn off VSync in the game and go through the NVIDIA GeForce experience stuff and turn it on from there for the game. Okay. Uh, through the three graphics card, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I didn't experience any of that, but also I was playing on Xbox Series X. So. Yeah, yeah. So that was like the the one issue I had is that, but that seemed to fix it. So, yeah. Um, as far as issues go, like the the main thing that really annoyed me was the fact that there's no map. Uh, it probably is a gameplay decision, but the lack of a map just. Uh, it, it 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 caused me to like waste two hours like aimlessly walking around looking for the third dungeon because like um the the bird you talk to tells you that the third dungeon is like on the west and I went all over the west and found nothing 
And I just like aimlessly walked somewhere and eventually found something. And I was like, I, I could have saved two hours with, with, with a map. Yeah. Like initially, that initial area is kind of a bit of a maze. It's a big one. Learn yeah. it mm-hmm. because there's not many doors to warp around in there. Yeah, there's, there's, there's only one door. So. And it's the one door, and it's in a spot that looks like a lot of other places in that map. Yeah, um, and the, 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 that, that's the main problem with the game that uses these kind of bleak colors. Like, I mean, when you keep playing, you'll see that it's a really amazing, amazingly detailed world. But again, like when when things look samey, it, it it doesn't do you any favors. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Once you get out of that, get to like the Urn Witches area, you kind of suddenly have like three or four doors. Uh, totally. For like inside the house, like outside of the area, and like a couple other places, so you can kind of warp around a bit to where you need. Which is like how when I was like, oh, I can shoot bow, shoot the arrow to carry this fire around. I instantly like went out that one door and just came out the one in the inside the area, uh, which is also how I learned how to navigate that area too. So that wasn't too bad. Uh, I think the other thing is the control scheme is a bit weird. Uh, you have your um. Your dodge roll is like X on the bottom. Uh, I'm playing with the dual sense, so uh, the bow and arrow isn't like left trigger, right trigger. You hold down left trigger and hold in circle or B. Yeah. Which is like, I initially was trying that and I was like, I keep using the the heavy attack, which is the right trigger, while your light attack is on uh, square or X on the, the Xbox buttons. And it's like, it's real weird to spread these out so much. Uh, for as much as yeah. it's trying to pull in some soul stuff, but it's not a control. It definitely led to some like weird complications, especially like with it being the rare time that I actually use my Xbox, PS5, and Switch in the same week. So like my B button is not where my B button is supposed to be, and stuff like that. And I don't think you're actually able to change the uh, layout, can you? On PC, you I think you can. Okay. I'd have to double check, yeah, on, but I think that was an on, option. On Xbox, I never saw that option. But yeah, like having to hold left trigger and then press B, which is the right face button to yeah. shoot, is kind of weird. And um, there were often times where, like, instead of shooting, like, you know, I rolled and died. And yeah. Yeah, kind of there's a couple of weird things like that. I think talking to people is triangle or Y, uh, yeah. which is also a bit weird. So I might, if I can change that stuff, I might move the the heavy attack down to triangle move the bow up to uh, right trigger and see if I can get that to work. Uh, I'll let you know if that does. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very fun game. The boss designs are really well done. Uh, I do like some of this art style stuff because the Urn Witch reminds me of uh, the Witch in Spirited Away with the just giant head mm-hmm. uh, looking thing. And uh, there's some really good stuff going on with the the arts and the music in this game, so I'm looking forward to putting some more time. Yeah, into the, it. the music is is, is a, especially impressive. Like it sounds orchestral, and again, like this is a team of four. So you know, yeah. um, Acid Nerve is known for what's the other Titan something, but Titan like, Souls. Yeah, Titan Souls, uh, and you know, like that was like by and large like in a, a standard indie game, and like. Now that they have Death Door, like I am totally interested in well, whatever they're doing next. And I know it's early for that, for that conversation, but they're definitely on the map for me now. Yeah, they are selling their soundtrack on Steam for ten bucks, fifty songs. Composer David Fenn. I'm curious what else he's done. I'll just double check real quick. Okay, he's got a band camp 
Okay, he did the music for Moonlighter. That makes sense. Titan Souls, Telepaint. Okay, he's done some good work. Not a ton of stuff, but uh, some good stuff there. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to putting more time into this and checking that out. Uh, and hoping to see more of the the secrets that are all over the map. Uh, especially yeah. outside of that Urn Witch's house is kind of a lot of those manholes. Whereas I was like, how the fuck do I get to these? Yeah, I, I, I definitely got to jump back in there. And like, you'll, you'll probably even see like flags that you'll have to use like the hookshot on, which is again, again, later yeah. explore content. But anyway, yeah, Death's Door, 20 bucks, available on both PC and Xbox. Definitely get it. I know it's not an Xbox Game Pass, but this is definitely a game worth uh, checking out. Um, I'll have the review up on Smashpad tomorrow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so definitely check it out. But Phil, what have you been doing? So, uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of retro stuff lately. Uh, been uh, right now, currently playing through Shining Force 2 on my uh, Mega SG and wondering why idiots are setting off giant explosives outside. That's kind of fun, but really annoying. Mm. So that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that's been happening for the past, uh, I don't know, five or six minutes. Uh, so, yeah, if you hear loud bangs, that's why. Um Apart from that, yeah, I've been still doing my old PC building simulator routine and enjoying that. Uh, and I've uh, been you know, making maps uh, with my friend and uh, for Doom, uh, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, if you remember, like, maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago or something like that, uh, I had mentioned the project that we were working on. Well, we did end up releasing that, but you know, pretty much nobody played it, so kind of made us go like wonder why we would would bother but you know we kind of got the itch to do it again then we started uh working on a new project we're using a new engine that people actually use so that's that's a help uh and uh we're uh working with a mod called project brutality which is uh, a lot like brutal doom only on crack and that mod is already insane so uh yeah it basically turns doom into uh, a fairly modern playing shooter, only a lot more fun. Uh, that, so, yeah, you get uh, stuff like, you know, uh, proper melee attacks. You get uh, headshots that are implemented, which the original Doom didn't have. Uh, a bunch of stuff that gets added, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you like the original Doom and Doom 2, uh, or you think you might want to give it a try... Uh, yeah, check that out with uh, GZ Doom and Project Brutality, and uh, I think you're probably going to enjoy what you find. It's uh, it's a whole lot of fun. So, oh, and apart from that, uh, yeah, doing the usual things, looking for jobs, and not finding a whole hell of a lot, which is uh, a little bit frustrating. I gotta admit, but hey, still yep. working on it. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and that's uh, pretty much it. And I think the explosions have stopped. So that's that's great. Well, that's good. Uh, let's get to some news here. Uh, these first few bits are Sony news. Uh, Sony yep. announced the other day that they are offering for PS5 owners six months of Apple TV Plus for free. I think you just have to get into uh, the app downloaded on the PS5. If you don't have it already, sign in with your account and it'll give you six months for free. Uh like the promotion is going from now until July 22nd, 2022. So you don't necessarily have to rush to this uh, like other times, but it seems like this is a service that uh, is trying to get out there for people mm-hmm. that don't have an Apple device of some sort. 
I'd recommend watching Mythic Quest. It's great. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that and Ted Lasso are the only things I've heard people talk about mm. with this service. With, I think, Ted Lasso just launching its second season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a, a thing you can do. And I think there are some other places that are also giving out free months for this. I think Target, if you have their like reward thing, you can get a free month there to add on, that kind of thing. So there are some ways to get some free time for this service. I'm just going to sit here and wait. So I'm not in a hurry to watch more streaming stuff uh, right now, but I'll get it at some point and watch Ted Lasso and see if the people have been yelling about this show are right or not. Mm. It's yeah. probably pretty good. I've only seen about two episodes of Ted, of Ted Lasso. Um, I'm not really hooked onto it yet, but I definitely see the appeal, uh, especially since um, you don't really need any soccer knowledge to uh, get into it. But yeah, um, Apple TV is a pretty good 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 service for what it is um i actually got a free year of it um after getting my iphone last year so yeah there are many ways to uh get your first few months free uh it's unfortunate that you know if you already have it this ps5 deal doesn't apply to you but yeah it's it's a solid service yeah so the only downside is you have to create an apple id if you don't already have one i don't think i've had an apple device in like eight years so that's been fun to see if uh still have one or not not even itunes that counts no 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 last time i used it was when i had an apple ipod touch i think it was like an old one before they had folders okay yeah well you still that account would still work yeah remember it won't have anything attached to it (laughs) because it's they've don't offer any of those apps or anything anymore yeah uh so yeah that's gonna be fun to Figure out what the hell to do with that, but maybe I'll just create a new one on a new email. Uh, we'll see. But that's the thing you can do now. Uh, let's see. Genshin Impact is a big free-to-play game. Uh, they announced their next hero that is joining is Aloy from Horizon Forbidden mm-hmm. West. Uh, as yep. a limited-time bonus character that you can get uh, for people yep. that are ranked 20 or higher in the adventurer ranks. Yep. Uh, yeah, PS4, PS5, at least for right now, I think it's going to be available for the other platforms after that. Uh, but yeah. as of July 26, all you have to do is get to rank 20, uh, log in, and it'll show up as a mail uh, for your account. So you just go grab that, and it'll add it to your account. I think it's a version of the character Cryo, I believe is based on the name, an ice bow character. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing. You also get the... The Predator bow. Yeah. So they show here on the, the PlayStation tweet that... That is bizarre. Did they make an, make an uh, anime Aloy? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh, shit, they did. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. So I remember when um, Aloy was in um, Monster Hunter, it was the same It was the same model as, like, you know, the Horizon one. So yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. You get a new bow that's level 90, I think, from the start. From yep. what this thing's showing. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I'm gonna definitely log in here uh, tomorrow, Monday, and uh, check that out. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a thing you can do. It doesn't take too long to get to level 20. I uh, just kind of gotta put some time in. I'm not sure when this promotion ends. Uh, you have to probably check out the the website itself as they let you look at uh, more information on that. So definitely check it out. See what. Uh, See how you like it. 
Uh, also yeah. coming out tomorrow, July 26th, Fall Guys is getting uh, two limited time events that get you a ratchet outfit for your bean, as well as a clank outfit, uh, mm-hmm. as well as uh, a bunch of cosmetic stuff, it seems, tied to that. Uh, from July 26th to August 1st, they have for the ratchet limited time events, special challenges to do uh, to unlock banner, special color for the bean itself. That's sort of the little face you see in the the hole on most of the, the tops. Uh, let's see, yeah, Lombax pattern. Uh, let's see, yeah, the costume lower and upper, as well as a Groovatron emote. For that for quite a few amount of points. Uh, let's see, the Clank one starts August 6th to the 15th. Uh, that'll get you yeah, banner, color, pattern, costumes, and uh, the Laugh Emote. And if you get both events completed, you get a Rivet uh, banner uh, for your player card. Uh, so that's a pretty cool sort of a bonus thing they're doing. Mm. It'll show that off to the people on the other platforms. I don't know if this is on the PC version as well. Might be... Yeah, just PlayStation? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, not 100% sure on that. They don't really mention that here, but it'll at least be visible to the platforms. But yeah, when I was jumping into this uh, the past few days, it was kind of wild to see one, that it has daily uh, missions, which are kind of basic in their scope, just like, hey, qualify for the next round in, you know, race game, or a, you know, a team round, or survival, that kind of thing, or like you know, use emotes five times, or dive five times, that kind of thing. Uh, but also the wide range of outfits that people have. Uh, there's just a lot of them for Devolver games, uh, that kind of stuff, as well as some of the... There's one that's, uh, one, I think, the Scout from Team Fortress 2, and mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of other extra stuff out there. Of course, I have my Sonic outfit on, so yeah, I'm being a weirdo along with everybody else, but... Uh, yeah. There's a lot of costumes in that game that people have been able to collect with these battle passes and all that, so uh, a lot of fun. Good time to jump in. Uh, let's get to another service that is uh, pretty weird. Uh, the Nintendo Switch Online Super Nintendo Entertainment System app. Yeah. Yeah, uh, weirdly, for so, so, like, okay. Yeah, like, I have a, uh, you know, an online account myself, and so I've, you know, gone through the SNES uh, library that they have on there. And obviously, you know, you got your classics, you know, you got Super Mario All-Star, All-Stars, you got, you know, Star Fox. You also got Star Fox 2 on there as well, by the way. Um, and stuff like that. But you also get games like Tough Enough, which I'm not even going to go. It's it's a middling fighter at best. But for the, it's where, I swear that the people who are trying to get the games on the SNES app are smoking crack because half of the shit on there is like really weird, obscure stuff that fucking nobody has ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the sort of games that you might have somehow come into as just a this is a random game that your parents bought you at some point, or it was one of those games that you got when you went to Blockbuster, you know, to get a game, you know, like you did once a week. For the yeah. weekend, because you know the other game that you wanted had already been rented. Yeah, and the the cover looked interesting enough. Yeah, to go for the whole thing. Yep. 
Yeah, um, and honestly, like what Brandon said about like all these games being obscure things that no one's ever heard about, that's actually saying a lot coming from us. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, like the youngest among us in this crowd right now is in their is like in their early thirties. Yeah, we've yeah. seen it all, and even we haven't heard of some of this shit. Yeah, and this new update that is coming up on the twenty eighth is three games, and I believe these are all European games. Yeah, so that particularly makes it harder for us to have known about these if they're uh, very weird games coming from a territory that didn't necessarily embrace the uh, Nintendo or Super Nintendo as much as uh, North America did. Now, fortunately, I can say I've played at least one of these games. Well, that's more than me. Yeah, I've played all three. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the first game here is Bomboozle. Yep. Uh, which the screenshot thing, I think, up here at the top is yeah, that's from that game. And... Mm-hmm. Yep, it's isometric, so that means it's automatically a 52% chance it's from the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the weird UI. Yeah. That looks like it comes from, you know, like a PC kind of game. Yeah. Uh, developer, uh, at yeah. least for that era. I'm going to uh, ask, is Ocean Software anywhere involved in this? I'm looking it up. It is Imageworks and Chemco. Okay. Chemco published it elsewhere. Yeah. But designed by Anthony Crowther. Crowther? Mm-hmm. Credit is Rat with two T's in the game. Because yeah, he was a <laughs> yeah, he was a Commodore 64 developer. Yeah. So yeah, that's all, all you gotta know right there. Uh, as well as David Bishop for Imageworks. Yeah. A British video game publisher. So yeah, there's that. And it seems like it's a Ocean Software uh, is part of uh, Joey Boy though. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was fixing to say. Yeah. Uh before you say it, no, this is not like the the Jerry Boy that was made by uh that was an early uh Game Freak title. No, this is another one and yes, Ocean Software is the publisher. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so this uh Bomboozle seems like a game where you're just moving this bomb around, I guess, on tiles. Yeah. Uh 130 levels, yeah, destroy all the bombs on the level. Yep. You must stand on top of the bomb to light it, then is only able to take one step away before the bomb explodes. Yeah. You can pick up and move bombs, but only the ones that are on the rail tiles. So sure, that's definitely Yeah, it's a weird game. They were like, Oh, what if you had bombs and you could you had to light them and move away mm. and not blow up all your spaces so you can get to the other bombs? It's a game that can piss people off after they buy it. <laughs> And make it take a lot longer than it could otherwise. Mm. So yeah, that's that's a thing I guess you could play. Mm. Uh, let's see the other game here, Claymates. Yep, uh, this is the one I've actually played. <laughs> yeah, it's a claymation title from Interplay. Yep, and also Visual Concepts, I guess, worked on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was basically it was. Series. Yeah, it was made by a bunch of the people who did the Clay Fighter series. Um, and yeah, basically what it was is you played uh, this kid who was turned into like a rolling ball of clay um, who could turn into different little clay animals called claymates. And yeah, it's the stuff you see on the cover, the cat, the fish, the mouse, you know, the hamster, the bird. Um, a character called Jobo the Witch Doctor, I'm sure, holds up. Uh, 
20 years later or 30 years later almost new no, it does not hold up at all <laughs> yeah I mean, it's slightly less racist than the Hoongen character from Clay Fighter 63 and a third, but not by much. Um, you go through the Pacific, Japan, Africa, and outer space. Yeah. The four places you go in a game yeah. in the 90s. Um, and, uh, I mean, uh, I, I do remember playing it, and I did enjoy it. It was a pretty, uh, a fairly good quality platformer. Um, it was pretty fast. And because of the clay aesthetic, you know, it definitely looks uh, unique compared to a lot of what else was on the SNES at the time. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, compared to Clay Fighter, the clay aesthetic worked much better here. Mm. Um, I yeah. distinctly remember, like, one of the bosses you fought in that game was this giant basset hound who would fly around losing his using his giant ears. Um <laughs> That's just an image that stuck with me all these years later. I also remember hearing about this game because this is one of the games that was uh, talked about in that famous like 600-page issue of Electronic Game Monthly that had the 3-2-X version of Doom on the cover. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's that. Another platformer on the service. Mm-hmm. As the system was lousy with those. And the third game here is Jelly Boy. Which does have software. Oceans. Yeah, and yeah. does have Ocean software attached to it. And look, it God, Ocean exclusively so- in Europe. Yeah. Yep. Ocean software, fuck, those guys just put out a shit ton of shovelware, didn't they? That was British development in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Rare was like that, where they put out like 15 games in like two years. Yeah, but uh, see, that was Rare. Rare actually, you know, Rare, you know, even their lesser games were at least fun. And had some quality to them. Yeah, so this came out only in Europe in 1995. You're in the control of a jelly baby with morphing powers. Yep. Questifying various items inside a factory, so the elevator doorman allowed him to meet the person in charge. Mm-hmm. Most important items are musical notes, which serve both as an extra life at 100, as well as a one-hit shield. So, okay. That's, that's a very... Uh, um, sure. Super yeah, Nintendo it's basically, kind of basically like the coins in Mario and the rings in Sonic simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like this is the second game that's mentioned on its wiki page that they were working on a Genesis version, but then it, it got canceled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Claymates was another one. Where it was like, no, they were also planning it for this, but it never happened. Yeah. So, yeah, that's these are late games too, March 95 in the EU. Yeah. Uh, Claymates, I think it was 94. So these were like, oh, we're barely getting it in here in time. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that the bamboozle seems like it was much earlier. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see if there's a date for the Super Nintendo version. Maybe not. At least I'm not on this page. It mentions 88 for Amiga, Atari ST, and Commodore 64. Hmm. 89 for DOS and Super Famicom in Japan in 1990, so probably sometime after that. Yeah. Okay, August 1992. Renamed as Kablooey, because of course that's more understandable than Bomboozle. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Kaboom was already taken, so. Yeah. So that's the month, I guess, in Japan. Yeah. Uh, they get Shimagami Tensei If, 
sort of a precursor to like the Persona series, yeah, of sorts. So that's the thing. Of course, being like a JRPG, you won't understand any of the text, right? But you can probably get a guide that'll tell you what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for that, I used to also get a game called Tough Enough. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Yeah, Although this is the Dead Dance, and it's the original version, which is actually better. better. Yeah, It had music, for one thing. It had music, and they actually, you know, don't cut out, like, a third of the fucking game. Yeah. Yeah. When you play that that game, it becomes very obvious that the developers originally wanted to make a Fist of the North Star game. Yeah, just from yeah. the aesthetic and everything, and it's like at some point, I guess Shoeisha or someone stepped in and said no. Mm. So. All right, so that's that's the yeah, the current Japan. update for Nintendo Switch Online. Mm. Yeah. Japan did a little better this month than we did. Yeah, yeah, uh, they badly need a new platform on that thing. Mm. Because they're just kind of scraping along for games here. Oh, there's tons of games that they could put on there that they haven't. So, yeah. Like, fuck, I mean, for God's sakes, get, go into your fucking licenses and, you know, start renewing some of them. Yeah. Just put them yeah. up there. Jeez. Please, for the love of God. Mm. I don't know why they can't do a deal with Square Enix to get uh, Super Mario RPG on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or get Earthbound on there. Earthbound or Chrono Origins. Trigger, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Well, Square needs to make money off of that. They're not going to give that up easily. They put out a shitty port on the consoles at some yeah. point. Uh, yeah, they're going to do Chrono Trigger remake probably, and it'll be uh, like I don't know, seven episodes. And it'll take thirty years to be to complete. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking about it, but that's totally something Square with Enix would do. Don't say it too loudly. They might actually take it seriously. Yeah. So speaking of Square Enix. Uh, Neo, The World Ends With You comes out this week. Uh, but if you were fast on the draw, the uh, you could get the game early mm-hmm. on the Square Enix store uh, by pre-ordering the physical version where they also sent out digital codes accidentally. Oops. <laughs> on July 16th, about 11 days early. It seems like since then, Nintendo has kind of deactivated those digital versions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're making them unplayable until the day of launch or what. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of a way to leak their own uh, game on their own yeah, service. Yeah, it's definitely something that Square would do. I mean, like, this is yeah. the company that showed off, you know, that Final Fantasy is Soulsborne like, and like the demo wouldn't even work during E3. Yeah. Um, when, when the Final Fantasy VII Integrate came out, um, most of the text for the American uh, PSN was in was in Chinese. I don't know. Like, um, I have a I have a friend who works um, in Japanese PSN merchandising, and she was like, "Whenever it comes to Square Enix providing us the assets we need to put their games on our pages properly, they never do it." So this comes as no surprise at all. Yeah, somebody clicked the wrong button, and that's yeah probably how that happened. So, yeah, yeah. This happens uh, far too frequently for it to be. A coincidence at this point. Yeah, I, I, th- I think at this point, whoever's in charge of like digital publishing over at Square Enix probably needs to uh, be future endeavored. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it was they were supposed to be sending out codes for the bonuses, mm-hmm. creator bonuses, and actually sent out uh, the game digital codes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 
Best of luck to the people that pre-ordered the the game itself on there. Yeah, uh, but maybe they'll get the the digital code as well. Yeah. As sort of a reward for dealing with this shit. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, mm. yeah, so that's how, how Square Enix uh, leaked their own game mm. out there for at least a yeah. few days. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, take a look here at Super Robot Wars 30. Yeah, that is a story franchise from Japan that has been around forever at this point. Never yeah. really come to the West. Yeah. Uh, so that is uh, the f- kind of a first for the series, uh, as well as getting a bunch of uh, mech from various anime yeah. uh, properties out here. A lot of Mobile Suit Gundam stuff. Yeah, a lot of Mobile Suit Gundam, Mazinger, Getarobo, uh, Code Geass, Heavy Metal Elgheim, and SSSS Gridman. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like Japanese mecha, it's like this is kind of the series you want to be looking at. Yeah. And it's one that people have had to do a lot of uh, work just uh, getting fan translated versions mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. uh, for what they could. Speaking of another series I first found out from that enormous 600-plus page edition of Electronic Gaming Monthly, that uh, that that part where they used to, uh, in the magazine, where they used to talk about, you know, games that had come out in Japan, uh, this is the first time I ever found out that this series existed, was from the pages of that magazine. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I saw it too. And also, they it was also where they uh, were putting out the first two. Or I I don't think the first two, but the first two times I ever saw a those old Gundam Wing fighting games that they mm-hmm. used to have. Yeah, that was in the same issue. <laughs> Neither of which came over here. So. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, the this will be out October twenty seventh. Uh, it won't have any English audio, but it'll have English subtitles and menus. Yep. For that, so you'll just have to deal with the the Japanese audio. Not really doing anything too fancy on that stuff, which mm-hmm. probably seems like a kind of a, a test thing for Bandai Namco. Yeah. So maybe it does well any of these future games. Maybe some of the older stuff will come over. Yeah. But yeah. they also have been known to add the English audio after the fact. So don't yeah. rule that okay. out. Yeah, it seems yeah. like this does not apply to the Switch version. Uh, it will not be released globally. Yeah. Japan exclusive, which is a weird thing to weird. do. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do it in one uh, storefront, it seems like it would make sense to do it in the other. But that might I mean, be honestly, weird. that's kind of what I love about the Switch is it's sort of become the console for like weird niche stuff like this. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know why you wouldn't bring it over. But yeah. Again, it is region free, so you should probably just probably import it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. There's that. Uh, oh yeah, this has been kind of going around for a bit. Netflix supposedly doing some game stuff at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they finally confirmed that they are. Yeah. Uh, the catch is it's going to be mobile games. Uh, at least they are being pretty smart about this, uh, saying that it's not going to cost you any extra for your subscription to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, also won't be any ads or microtransactions in these games. I'm not sure if they are going to be existing games that are being brought over or if they're going to have new stuff based on Netflix properties uh, being available for this. I want to see, but they just, they've only just announced this as they brought in a former EA mobile exec, Greg Peters to be the COO for the game 
side of the company. Mm. So yeah, they've been kind of dabbling in the game stuff a little bit with these like interactive shows. Mm. Uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, I think the Minecraft story mode version mm-hmm. that's on there, a couple other things like that. Uh, so it'll be neat to see like what this looks like. I imagine you're not going to get any sort of like action-intensive mobile games on this thing. Yeah. Uh, no something idea. more yeah. simple. This is not an announcement that I'm expecting too much out of. Like when I think about it, like what I'm visualizing is a tab on Netflix that says games. You go ahead and you know click onto there, and you know you'll see various mobile entries as well as like you know maybe some games based on various Netflix properties, such as like I don't know Stranger Things stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Black Mirror, Bandersnatch, and they'll have all those like interactive experiences. Um, but what makes this particularly interesting is like whether or not this will pave the way for uh, licensors to actually like make something worth mentioning. Like mm-hmm. for example, um, before uh, Telltale shuttered, they actually had plans to do a Stranger Things game, and you know that that, that that's something I totally would have played. And you know, obviously, I was a huge. Uh, Telltale fan, despite how broken a lot of their games were, but um, that's definitely stuff that would like get me interested. I'm also wondering if they'd follow the Apple TV model of, you know, um, letting you use pretty much any Bluetooth controller with the service, because they're like, you know, af- after things like uh, Stadia and uh, Amazon Luna, it mm. seems that everyone is trying to get onto this space. But at the end of the day, like, you need you need games. You need, you need games that you can't get anywhere else because um, I know that the whole idea is to, you know, not have to bring uh, consoles everywhere you go anymore. But at the end of the day, if 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 your main thing is going to be Destiny, like, who cares, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something that we'll be probably hearing more about when they get closer to actually launching them. Yep. Uh, but for the time being, it seems like a neat thing that they are doing. Mm. Just see how that tech works uh, within yeah. their apps and all that. Netflix already has a huge real quick. Like Netflix already has a huge install base, so the fact that they aren't charging any more to use the service is definitely something to keep your eye on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no reason to not. Uh, this is something that my mom will probably really get a get a lot of use out of because yeah, you know, she does play a good bit of a good bit of mobile games and you know she's always looking for something new and different and you know she's already got a already got a Netflix subscription so if there's a new tab there and it's stuff that she can play and not have to worry about ads or you know microtransactions and stuff like that and it's pretty decent quality you yeah, know, yeah. Like you get a pretty good uptick on that. Not to mention the folks that like it, it doesn't work anymore, but the folks that like had a Wii that was primarily their Netflix machine, like this stuff yeah. matters to them. And it's, yeah. it's not a huge audience, but it's an audience that Netflix can quarter nonetheless. Yeah. 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 So. yeah I still have my discs for the, the yeah. Wii and the PS3 Netflix apps yeah. when but those were a thing. Anymore, but still no, I, I can show them like this is how Netflix used to exist Yeah, on a disc. Because Microsoft paid for the exclusive app, yeah, uh, for a while. Yeah, I think it was a uh, was two, one year, two year time exclusive. So it was pretty substantial. I think one year or something like that. Mm, yeah, but yeah, and now nobody would ever try that <laughs> at this yeah. point. Mm. But hey, there are free discs. I'll take free stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, let's get to something that's tangible and it's coming soon enough. Uh, the Nintendo Switch OLED model. Yeah. Uh, or, the, the, or the Swold, as people are starting to call it. <laughs> sure. 
this world. Mm. Uh, who got pre-orders for this thing? Nope. Nope. I did. Um, I, did. I don't really know why. Uh, I have two. I'm gonna give one to John. And then the other one, I don't even know if I'll actually keep because I don't really, I don't really need one. Like it would be nice to have, but when I when I think about like, um, I I I just got the Monster Hunter Switch a few months ago. And the process of moving all my shit over to my new one was really a huge hassle, and I don't want to do that again in a calendar year. So I don't know if I'll keep it, but yeah, I do have to reserve. Yeah, no, that screen is is probably the big selling point. It's just totally, yeah, yeah, smaller bezels, bigger screen, same same form factor. So. Yeah, mm. uh, for me, it's kind of just my launch switch is kind of getting long in the tooth at this point. Mm. Especially with that old battery life, uh, since they've updated that at least in the like second version of the main model, mm-hmm. uh, so that I can finally get uh, a system that can play games for at least a little bit longer. Because mm. uh, I literally have it sitting on the the main dashboard and watch the percentage tick down, just like minutes. Mm. Like, Jesus Christ, this thing needs to be in a dock. If I'm not, if I have it on. Because it's not, not worth yeah. just letting sit here like you could other other systems. Mm. But, uh, yeah, and I got it at Best Buy because I'm not going to deal with Amazon ever again on this shit. Mm. I think important. Uh, yep. Luckily, it was pretty easy for the, for the pre-order stuff uh, for their whole thing. Because they just put you into essentially queues. And people will just like sit here, wait for it to turn to the point where you can just add to cart and pay for it. Uh, I had there, and I think Walmart was the other one I was trying to get in. That one, I think, had issues where enough people got in at the right time that I was refreshing to see if it came up, and it just never showed up because all the bandwidth went to the people that had it. I think the page got shut down once they sold out, so I was like, all right, I'll focus on Best Buy here. I got the, the white model. So I'll have three, all three of my main consoles will be white and black mm. with the PS5, the Series S, and the Switch OLED. It is a good look. It is, yeah. Yeah, I'll still have uh, my Hori Pro, whatever the hell these things are called, mm. uh, things that I can put on there, mm. uh, which give you more of like an Xbox-style uh, controller there when you're playing in handheld mode. Mm. Only thing you lose is like the gyro, I think rumble, uh, a couple things like that. And you can't pull them off to use as Joy-Cons. But for my purpose of playing Picross stuff, it works perfectly. Mm. Uh, So that's that's good. But uh, the news here is that people were speculating, oh, they must be, they're charging more for this. So they must be, you know, having a really high profit margin on this. And Nintendo actually put out tweets Addressing this, saying that the let's see, a news report on July 15, 2021, claimed that the profit margin of the Nintendo Switch OLED model would increase compared to the Nintendo Switch to ensure correct understanding among our investors and customers. This is their Japanese accounts writing mm-hmm. in English, so it's important. Mm-hmm. We want to make clear that the claim is incorrect. We also want to claim that we just announced that Nintendo Switch OLED model will launch in October and have no plans for launching any other model at this time. And so I can definitely see that there's not much of an increase in uh, profit margin because it seems like they are upgrading a lot of the internal components with newer versions 
Mm. Maybe not increasing performance very much, but uh, probably making it more efficient system uh, and probably taking up uh, a good chunk of that profit margin they could if they had just taken the old thing and made it, you know, 50 bucks more. Mm. Yeah. Well, the other thing to keep in mind, though, that, uh, you know, in if they were launching this in any other time other than now, they probably could have managed to uh, increase their profit margins because of uh, the uh, advances in, in processes that they're going to be uh, using. But uh, right now, with shortages the way they are on components, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not, it's not just the CPUs and the GPUs, but it's like all of the it's, it's capacitors, it's the material that uh, the substrate is made of, it's RAM chips. All of that has gone up in price and has become uh, a lot more scarce. So, yeah. yeah, any any profit that they could have gotten is kind of going away. And then uh, you also have to figure in the screen itself. Uh, OLED screens are not exactly cheap. So No, but that, that old LCD screen is probably one that's not in huge production anymore. No. Uh, I think part of the, the insider parts of this thing, uh, the words were kind of just like, oh, they're upgrading to a new screen because those uh, older screens are just not as uh, not as much in production by Samsung. Yeah. Uh, their yeah. OLEDs are a little bit cheaper, a little more readily available for new models. So probably once those older screens are uh, done, they'll probably just replace this with that. Yeah, uh, model at the the two ninety nine. Once things hopefully calm down at some point, mm-hmm. yeah, eventually, hopefully, yeah. So you would so, think that, or they probably phase them out. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really see Nintendo holding on to two different switches with uh, yeah. you know, especially when they have the exact same form factor. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's, a, it's give or take like a few millimeters, but like aside from that, it's it's primarily the same thing with a better screen. Yeah. Like yeah. I know uh it's 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 a huge debate as to like whether or not it's actually worth the you know, the $360 price point, but you know, like, like you guys said, like the components have, you know, um skyrocketed in value, not to mention an OLED screen is not cheap plus the uh um, the dock is improved, so like uh, the fact that the dock will no longer scratch your screen is a huge difference. So, you get an Ethernet port in the dock now. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a dollar. That's a dollar yeah. right there. That's a, yeah. Well, that's an extra twenty-five cents at least. Yeah. Oh. So. That's twenty-five cents for the port, but like a little bit more yeah. for these. You know, the new uh, molds for that. Yeah, they so. had to modify the molds, and so. So there's a little less empty space in that thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the thing I reminded myself like, oh, yeah, there's just like this flat back here because there's just nothing back here but a couple of ports. Mm. So uh, just, yeah. just a way to, you know, make sure all the cables are going out one space. Yeah. Eventually I'll pick up a switch, but for now I haven't seen much reason to. So, yeah. Mm. yeah I'm the asshole with Greenbox, so I'm like, man, I got to replace all these three now. <laughs> yeah, you can, I guess, for, mm. I think they've Eventually. dropped the price on them the docks well i mean like even if they drop the price on them for some reason uh they sell out quickly i don't know whether they're resell hotter but yeah switch docks no people just tend to buy them Uh, yeah yeah. i assume it's a thing that they're not probably making too much of them because they're like how many people really are going to need a second dock well i do know at least three people who have told me they have bought two extra docks uh (laughs) so they have one one of them no, well, one at home, uh, one at the uh, cottage when they go over there, and they have one at work. Yeah. 
Yep. So, yeah, that, that's my situation. I have one uh, downstairs, one upstairs, one at work. Yeah. So. Yeah, all this, yeah. all this work that people are doing at a at a building now with a switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Okay. The docks are at sixty bucks now. They also have that adjustable charging stand. So you can essentially have it charging while you can still okay, play so the it. docks have come down 30 bucks because they used to be yeah. 90. So it's, it's and that a little bit more reasonable. charging stand is 20 bucks. So you got that. Hmm. So. so yeah, that's, that's that thing. Also a refurbished animal crossing dock for 40 bucks. Hmm. If you want the, the oh, version. Yeah. I'll buy that. Hmm. Yeah. It's right on the Nintendo store. Oh, what? Give, give, give me a link to that. I am totally getting that. I'll post you the link here hmm. uh, for that. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, you can get that. Uh, that should actually be pretty good because there's not much electronics there in the dock to no. mess with. Mm. Uh, it's not like a, a controller or something where it's like, oh, that could still be busted. Uh, no. But yeah, that's the, the Switch thing. And conveniently, right around the same time that the pre-orders went up, I think the Steam Deck got announced. Yep. Uh, Which is what we're going to transfer over to because uh, that's... So yeah. anybody pre-ordered this thing? Nope. <laughs> I get a little bit different price range. Wonderful timing. Mm. Did you get one, Dan Rib? I did. Yeah. Wonderful timing there. Um, I was like, no, I just, uh, you know, I I just committed $700 on on two other switches now that this comes out. And around the same price point. So I was like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like this this was a process. I mean, you know, you could only get one off of Valve. And when I had signed in, I put in the wrong. Three digits on my uh, on my credit card security number. Uh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, did, 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 did I just fuck up?" And then I I fixed it, and like I still had the same screen. Yeah. Um, eventually, like I I just took it at a slower pace, and like eventually got one. Um. And as for which one I got, I I, I got the mid range one because the first one like apparently isn't fast enough, and uh, yeah, the third one it's like, not as I bad as space. Yeah, but there's a lot of technical notes that I can get into about that. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. so- and you're in the launch window, December? Yeah, I'm in the launch window. Okay. I got one the next day, just like a, sure, whatever, I'll put five bucks down to see what yeah, it was happens five for this. I thought. So it was like a weird version of like the GameStop system, except uh, you can't just pay it off uh, right away. Mm-hmm. They get to wait until it gets closer to launch until it'll do yeah. that. But uh, I got that, and I think I'm going to double check now, but I think it was telling me Q3 2022, Oof. like a year away. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm, I wasn't exactly jonesing to get it uh, yeah. right away anyway. So, yeah, whatever. It doesn't really I suspect that date is going to move around a bit. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there it is, the Steam Deck. I'm going to click on that and see if it tells me what's up. I picked up the, the 649 version, so it might have been that. Yeah, like it says Q2 one. 2022. Yeah. No, that's the, the expensive one. Oh, the really expensive one. So you got yeah. the five twelve. Yeah, okay. I was like, it's five bucks. Whatever, they're all the same. <laughs> okay, they're all Q two twenty twenty two right now. Yeah, uh, the so. cheap one says after Q two twenty twenty two because that was the popular one apparently. Yeah, because it's like, oh, the, the cheap one. Whatever, give it to me. Uh, mm. So yeah, we'll get into details here. Uh, it is coming out in December ish. They didn't announce a date. They're just like, uh, we'll get it to you around then because that's also gonna be Christmas season. So. Yeah, mail is going to be messed up then anyway. Yeah, uh, but the models start at three ninety nine mm-hmm. uh, to five twenty nine and six forty nine at least U.S. dollars. Yeah, are they the same in Canada? Or are they a little bit more? More. Okay. How much more? <laughs> they're uh, uh, 
I believe the first one is uh, five forty nine, then six forty nine, then eight ninety nine. Okay. So, yeah, Canadian lovely uh, currency exchange there. So just get a PC yeah. at that point. Well, it is a PC, so that's pretty much yeah, exactly. It's a know. PC that isn't a laptop. That's yeah. basically the uh, selling point here. Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of a maybe not the form factor, but it's kind of a thing that companies have been trying for a while. Yeah, uh, what is it the the GPD Win? Yeah, kind of thing, which was like a DS styled laptop. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was that one. Thing. There was the uh, the Aya Neo, which uh, it did come out, but good luck getting one. Yep. Uh, that yeah. was a lot yeah. like a Switch. Uh, I was actually yeah. considering getting one of those things until I realized, oh, I can't. So Yeah, it's like, uh, it'd be nice, but you can't buy it, so... Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, let's see, it has a 7-inch screen, so basically about the same size as the uh, as Switch OLED. Switch OLED, yep. Wow, this whole thing looks like a giant Game Gear. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably might- weighs about as much as one does, too. The thing that immediately sticks out to me is that the D-pad and the face buttons are immediately in the top corner. Yep. Uh, so much so the B button on the the face buttons is like hanging over the edge. Uh, so the button is like bigger than it actually looks. Yeah, I noticed those uh, two enormous track pads that are... Yeah, yeah there's two sticks in uh, the sort of symmetrical form as well as two big touch pads. Yeah, uh-huh. both sides just straight from the Steam controller. Yeah, yeah it also has gyro in it. Yeah, uh, and not it sure. It does have vibration too. Yeah, and, I think and I'm, really... I'm going to guess that this is uh, has like a plug-in adapter too, right? The dock, yeah. Yeah, mm. the dock is for video. Yeah, yeah. Um, you might be able to add on accessories with the USB-C port, I assume. Yeah, so it's still kind of a PC, so I assume. If you want to get real weird for whatever reason, uh, it is a PC and it can run Windows. So yeah, it's Linux, Linux by default, uh, Proton. Yeah, yeah. The the Valve kind of gaming OS thing. Yeah, they've been working on to to run a bunch of stuff. My my question here is, what kind of graphics card are we talking about on this thing? Uh, So it's. Do you want me to go over? Yeah, you're the tech guy. Go ahead. Okay, so (laughs) it's. Basically, uh, it's AMD Radeon RDNA 2. It's basically the same kind of chips that's in the Xbox Series X, although scaled back a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's the, the Steam Deck is actually going to be the first uh, device that I know of, uh, portable device that I know of, that will have uh, integrated AMD APU with RDNA 2. So that's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, it's going to... I think they mentioned what they... Eight gigabytes of RAM on there, with uh, sixteen yeah, sixteen GDDR five, uh, LPDDR five. Sorry, uh, uh, that's what are they talking about uh, frames per second here? Uh, they're going to try to hit around sixty for uh, games that are twelve eighty by eight hundred because that's the resolution of the screen. Yeah, uh, they've also been talking about it's like thirty as their baseline. Yeah, for a lot of the games. Yeah. So, you know, a very console-like experience. It's going to be, well, if you're familiar with playing games on the Switch, there's probably, it's going to be a little bit better. Uh, but I think they're sandbagging a little bit um, because uh, uh, if, you're pretty, if you're pretty good with your, your settings, you can, probably, you can probably manage 60 on just about whatever you want to play. Um, 
So, yeah. you know, for like the, the real problem is going to be the big AAA games. Like the really like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is raw, is really not going to run very well on uh, on a machine like this. Well, to be fair, it doesn't really run very well on anything right now. But yeah, well, the point, so point yeah. still stands. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of the video stuff they're showing stuff like uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Doom Eternal. Yeah. Well, Doom Eternal, we're running on a potato, so that's, that's yeah. not, uh, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and just, on the screen, they seem to be showing Control as well. And yeah, control, control, is a pretty, uh, control is a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty graphics-heavy game. Yeah, but yeah. on PC, it's also very well optimized. So, uh, uh, yeah, if, it, if, you, if they can have it run effectively on a thing like this, then that's 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 an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. 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 The really cool part, though, is you know, since they are running Linux with this compatibility layer, uh, the fact that they're confident enough to be able to just throw this out there and know that they're going to have a lot of games that are just going to work is mm-hmm. pretty astonishing. Uh, yeah. The, the I've had I've played around with Proton, and so, so far, the games that I've tried to run on it, more of them have worked than have not, uh, and uh, they've been actually quite fast about looking into issues of stuff that didn't work. So it was very clear that Valve was working on something while they were, you know, putting resources into getting this proton layer working. So Yeah, uh, they're they're overhauling the big picture mode for this yeah, thing. Which frankly it needed it because oh god. Yeah, yeah. It it's pretty rough at times. Yeah. Now yeah. here's <laughs> a here's another question. Uh how long will you be able to play something on this thing unplugged? It'll heavily depend on the type of game you're playing. Yeah, I'm reading off here. They're saying like maybe you can play something like Portal Two for like maybe four to five hours. Yeah, yeah. Their specs show two to eight hours. Yeah, that that is a very big range. (laughs) That's that's basically saying we don't know. Of course, I guess if you got you know an adapter and you can plug this thing into the wall, then you know that's yeah, that solves that problem. But yeah, the Game Gear Legacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the other neat thing is that the controls, you have your top two uh, shoulder buttons on both sides, mm-hmm. as well as two back buttons on mm-hmm. each side. So you got a, a bit of that like Steam controller kind of back pedal kind of thing Yeah. Uh, to there. It also has mics in it, mm-hmm. two mics yeah. uh, for that, as well as two speakers, a Steam button and a quick access button. Because you're like, no, they got view and menu as well. So they got a bunch of freaking buttons to work around with. Yeah. Uh, volume, headphone jack, you know, USB-C ports, lots of fans uh, to get all the heat out of there as they can. Yeah, yeah. at least one that I saw. So. Yeah, there's Which a you are desperately problem. going to need if what they're talking about is any case to go by. Yeah, they are talking about cloud saves, but I'm assuming that's just the, the Steam save stuff. Yeah, yeah. That'll, uh, that'll just carry over. So, so people have to that. do some work as far as the, the stuff that doesn't support that. Yeah, they're going to need to. Games. Yeah, well, that's the thing about Proton. It's a lot of stuff that does actually work that they just don't need to do anything about. Uh, but yeah, there's some stuff that, uh, like, there are a few things that just won't work, and you'll have to report it to them, and hopefully they'll fix it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Seems the like major stuff, like, if you want to play Trails in the Sky, that does work. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a list of 10 games that don't work, which are mm. all 
games that are online focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're primarily console games like Apex Legends, yeah, Red Company, uh, like a few others that are kind of battle royale, multiplayer yeah. focused type stuff. And the problem with that is, uh, it's the the cheat software that uh, they the anti cheat stuff that they use is not yeah. compatible. So yeah, yeah. That's why that doesn't work. But I assume those devs will probably work on that. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's something they can modify. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how many devs kind of go back to their games and sort of add a mode uh, options that can make it run better on this specific yeah. uh, frame rate and all that. Yeah. Uh, 1280 by 800. But we are going for 1610 aspect ratio. Yeah. yeah. On that. Uh, yeah, a little bit extra height, but that's, you know, it's not bad. Yeah. Mm. Let's see what else am I seeing here. There's a dock that they haven't announced anything price-wise for that. Nope. Uh, it has a couple USB ports, Ethernet, uh, HDMI, and display port. Yeah, if you want to uh, hook up to a monitor. Yeah. Mm. So that'll be interesting to see like what that comes out as and when it comes out because as far as nobody knows what, what's going on there yeah this thing will be interesting to see how people mess around with it because uh, there are a lot of games that do not necessarily run well on modern machines yeah uh, as well as stuff that's you know this is going to be a you know seven inch screen there are a lot of games that weren't made for uh tiny screens mm. yeah uh, or screens that aren't monitors yeah, uh, so uh, and see how like older games run on this and look. Yeah, and just uh, because of the uh, amount of space that Phil said is on this machine, I'm gonna guess that this is gonna be primarily a streaming only platform. No, no, it's all local. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's uh, the the smallest one is 64 gigs. Uh, it does, however, support external storage via USB. Okay. So, there also is a micro SD slot. Yeah, microSD, right. and you can actually load games onto the microSD. And from the uh, uh, tests that I've seen, some people doing uh, loading games off a microSD card, it's uh, it's not bad. I mean, it's it's very usable. So, uh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, the, I think the two right. higher tiers of devices have NVMe SSD internal storage. Yeah. Instead of eMMC. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be a little bit faster. Yeah. And 256 um, and 512 gigs, respectively. Yeah. Let's see, you get a carrying case with all three, though the 649 gets you an exclusive carrying case. Yep. I don't know what that means. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's uh, you know it's got markings so that uh, muggers will know that you have the expensive one. Yeah, premium anti-glare etched glass on the most expensive one. Whatever oh. that is. Yeah. Uh, Exclusive Steam Community Profile bundles for at least the the two higher tiers and an exclusive virtual keyboard theme, which I didn't yeah. know was the thing that you could customize on these things on the yep. Steam OS. But they're going to start selling them, I guess. Yeah, should also be uh, pointed out that uh, uh, all three of them have the slot for uh, the uh, M.2 NVMe drives. So if you did buy the uh, the sixty four gig one, uh, they say it's not user serviceable, but it actually kind of, but it actually is. So you could yeah. add that uh, that faster drive in if you wanted to. God, I like this image in uh, the hardware section where showing people hooking up uh, fight sticks to the the thing while it's docked to play fighting games. I'm like this is really ridiculous. 
Uh, that's that's totally going to happen at some point. Yeah, but just like, to recreate that image. <laughs> they are bigger than the damn thing. Bigger than the damn machine. Okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, uh, but I guess you you maybe don't need the dock to plug it into a TV if you get uh, the right kind of USB C ports or cables that can carry video. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be potentially possible. Yep. If you want to be a cheap ass, but let's see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the the Steam controller stuff works on this, because with my experience with this, it's kind of finicky mm-hmm. and a little bit awkward at times. Because a lot of times, just like loading up the game, like trying to figure out like, okay, what needs to be changed here to work on this thing? Because sometimes it's supposed to work on every controller, at least the ones that are supported. And with the dual sense, occasionally load up games and uh, the buttons will be all messed up. Yeah. Just by default. And it's like, really? Okay. I have to do work just to make it work in that. And but in this case, with the, con- with the controller integrated, I'm sure that's probably going to work a little bit better because they know exactly yeah. what's going to be in there. So, Hopefully. Because hmm. uh, it's like a lot of time spending, like, okay, I think I'll switch this around and see, and hoping that because you're just moving the buttons usually, unless the game has special actions tied to that stuff yeah. uh, that you can move around. Uh, but occasionally it's just like, oh, I'm just moving the entire button. So that means other things work weirdly. Mm-hmm. It's, it can be a pain in the ass for certain games because not a lot have community profiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more popular games will. There's a lot of smaller games that don't. Yeah. One of like, the interesting things that they said, though, that they're working on for this is state transfer, which is mm-hmm. going to be really interesting if they could actually pull that off. Uh, yeah. And that's where if you're, you know, if you're playing your game on the Steam Deck, uh, you could shove your state up to the cloud and then pick up exactly where you are on your PC. Yeah. And I have no idea how they managed, could manage to do that, but hey, if they can pull it off, more power to them. Yeah. Yeah, let's see how that goes. Google hasn't managed it yet, so. Yeah, I don't think Microsoft has it for their streaming stuff either. No. That's like the big issue I have with trying out any xCloud thing. Is like, okay, these games are not made to stream for like five or ten minutes. Nope. So I have to figure out if it's a game that has, you know, save anywhere or if I have to find checkpoints or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this game's not really playable streaming. Yeah. So. But, yeah, it's going to be... Interesting to see as people kind of uh, pick apart this thing. Because, as you said, we can put Windows on it. I'm not sure what of the Steam, or Steam uh, PC clients have Linux support out of the box. Well, they said Epic Game Store is going to be on there. So, yeah. Got that going for you. But you'll be able to have, you know, Epic, Itch, uh, you know, Uplay, Origin, yeah. I guess. Uh, you can probably yeah. put Game Pass. App on there if it doesn't destroy. It doesn't destroy your storage. Yeah, like it likes to. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the fact that you can add other DRM to it definitely makes it more attractive to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and you can always go Windows if you don't care for the Steam OS. Exactly. So, like with with the Windows being on the machine, like I'm wondering how easy it would be to like install things like patches and mods. Like for example, if I wanted to have like a GeoFront translation of Trails to Azure on, you know, the game, would that be easy to pull off? But no. But, uh, well, I mean, if it's if you're running Windows at that point, it's basically wide open. You can whatever you can do yeah. on the PC, you could do on that. So yeah. 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 So people are like, ooh, I'll 
put the switch emulator on this thing and have like a <laughs> more powerful a lot switch. of modding possibilities yeah yeah I, i'm really interesting interested to see how that steam deck is going to end up performing uh the specs i mean if you're expecting to be able to play like big ass triple a games at 60 frames per second in 4k you're smoking crack yeah uh, but uh you know if you want to be able to play some pc games when you're out and about and uh you know you'd have reasonable expectations this is probably going to meet them yeah yeah and if if you want a portable emulation rig uh, this is going to be nice yeah could you play crisis on this yes sure crisis Crisis is actually not as uh demanding as it once was okay Um, yeah the the remastered version that they did uh actually runs fairly decently unless you put it on the preset that that says can it can it run crisis which I swear to God is the name of the preset. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how many Steam games get updated to. Mm-hmm. You know, try to run as well as I can at this twenty eighty by eight hundred. Yeah. Uh, for this thing and sort of be a, you know, here's a Steam Deck uh, setting for this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it should be good for the people that are just interested in like third party and indie games on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are like, oh, I'll get you know Skyrim that runs like shit, or yeah. Doom or whatever. Yeah, you can uh, play version that actually runs halfway decently. So yeah, yeah, uh, that seems like a a thing that will eat into Switch uh, sales, but not for people that you know are interested in you know just the Nintendo stuff. No, because the only way you're doing that is through you know emulation and other stuff. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the the thing where Nintendo's going to be fine. This thing's not going to be, I don't think, selling you know a shit ton of units. Yeah, I've seen all these bad. headlines. It's like Valve announces a Switch killer, and I'm like, no, no, we actually didn't. No. Don't have the IP for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Valve would actually have to make games at some point. So yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, if, if they want to go ahead and release Half Life Three with this, you know, sure, maybe. But, I mean, uh, they did put out, you know, Half Life Alex, but yeah, <laughs> which is apparently really good. But if, yeah, it is. If, but you, know. you have to have a fairly much like when Half Life Two came out, you have to have a fairly high end piece of equipment in order to play it effectively. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the main reason why I got this, you know, it's it's, it's not because like oh, you know, it's a it's an even better Switch, but um, it's because ever since I got my Switch. I've never really had a reason to log into Steam ever again. <laughs> because, you know, it was just great to have all the, the indies and whatever I download off of the Steam sale on my Switch instead, you know, for, for, a, for a better price. But at the same time, like, I, I was actually playing them. So, uh, like, having, having the, the, the portable format to play my uh, Steam library would be fantastic. Like, I, yeah. I got a PC specifically to play uh Charles in the Sky the Third and like I just eventually stopped because like I just hated the process of having to open my laptop over and over again. And then aside from that, my main laptop that I'm using like right now for this podcast is a MacBook and like not a lot of the Steam games are playable on Mac. So with with no. Windows uh being able to uh run on the Steam Deck, I figure it would be it would be a great thing. And then like for guys like us, like um <clears throat> I'm not saying it happens all the time, but um a lot of the review copies that request 
sometimes aren't available because um, a lot of other publications request, you know, PS5 or Switch first. If I request Steam, I'd probably, you know, have have a better shot. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I, I, I think, like, for guys like us, like, we, we'd have um, a better shot at having having more content. Um, that being said, like, I do have some, like, like, like some concerns. You know, Brandon already asked a few of the questions. My main thing, which I'm surprised we didn't really address, is the fact that the button layout on this thing sucks. Uh, yeah, it reminds me kind of like... Do you remember the original uh, the original controller for the original Xbox? Mm-hmm, I do remember it. Also didn't have yeah, where like all the the buttons were like focused around the shoulders, and so you had like yeah. weird. You ended up having like weird eagle fingers. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the Duke? Yeah. yeah, because the Duke was actually a pretty good controller. Like if you had bigger hands. So yeah, see, yeah. I don't have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this thing's but, like a uh, worse version as of the Wii U gamepad. Yeah. Where yeah. as they realize like, hey, the sticks actually need to be a place where you can use them. And they mm-hmm. put the D-pad and face buttons, I think were was that above? I mm-hmm. forget if they were or was it yeah. below? I think it was below. It was the the sticks were above in like a symmetrical form. Yeah. So like if you didn't have the touch pads here, the face button and d-pad were there. It's like okay, this works. Yeah, it was, it's it maybe totally the, really awkward, like, but yeah. my main thing here is that having the buttons so high up, and like I don't know what like the the overall shell is made of, but if it's not matted, then this thing's gonna slip off. Oh yeah. So also, you yeah. know, this, this, this isn't not gonna be heavy. So it it's really like I'm, not, I'm also not entirely convinced that this is the final layout. Maybe. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, that this is Valve you're talking about. Uh, yeah, plus I already had the hands-on impressions, so I don't know. Yeah, of prototypes. Mm. Okay. But, yeah, I don't think that they don't have production units yet. They have uh, prototypes available. So uh, the the button layouts, I mean, like the, the changing the buttons around on the front fascia would be a little bit of molding work, but I think that's might be why there's delays right right now. So. They, yeah. they might actually be rejiggering that to, to bring them lower down. But I also could see third parties creating like a shell that gives you more room on the sides. Yeah. So you could use the D-pad and face buttons more easily instead of this oh. weird like, yeah. thing where you have like your hands in a weird shape. Yeah. I guess that's why they also had the, the extra buttons on the back. So you can kind of map to that. Yeah. As well as I think the, t- uh, the touch pads, you can also push down so you can remap things around those yeah but it's also Could you awkward solution. theoretically let me I, I, i'm not sure I, we may have already mentioned this and i you know because i zoned out and probably didn't hear it could you map your steam controller to this thing like attach it well not attach it but you know have it work on this it should. Uh, I think yeah, it's, I think it does support Bluetooth. So it should. Like, the main, the okay. main thing is, why would you do that? Like, yeah. unless you're using the screen as a dock, then I don't really see a point of remo- removing the handheld form factor because that, that's the selling point for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. It yeah. Is, well, that, I, what I, is the I, option I never, there? The option I never is. Yeah. My, uh, mm. I never use my Switch kickstand to play it on a controller. Mm. That's also the Switch kickstand until this OLED model's shit. Yeah, it's a tiny little thing that flips out. And it's like, oh, this is supposed to support this whole weight. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That didn't work. Yeah, no. that's why the new one has the kickstand that just goes the entire way and can uh, go into a couple different positions to hold it in different angles. Yeah. yeah. Or this you could use like, the correct one. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that too. Oh. So yeah, 
uh, my concern is just kind of PC games are very weird and fickle, uh, especially, you know, more obscure games, older games uh, that do not like, you know, controller stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mapping that to a controller can be weird and awkward, uh, especially if it's not, you know, been updated in any recent way to at least make it more friendly to that stuff. So it makes me want to look at like some of the the older PC games I have on my account and like try that out. But also, that's going to be another year from now, so I don't really. I'm going to watch other people do that when this thing launches. Yeah, yeah, there will be growing pains. I have uh, no doubt about that. But you know, for Valve's second attempt at a console, it's uh, you know, it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Seems it looks like it should be better than the Steam machines, which yeah seems. Dead on arrival from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first I've got one of like, those. Yeah, I I actually really like it. I mean, as far as the form factor went, it was really nice, but the software wasn't there. Yeah, so I just put Windows on it, and uh, no, I use it as an emulation box, and for that purpose, it actually works really well. So, yeah, yeah. It seemed like a thing that maybe they were too hands off with. Yeah, and just yeah. let their hardware partners do a lot of stuff with it. Yeah, that mine's an Alienware, so yeah. go figure. So it looks pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was like, hey, what if... Because I was like, what the... Was it the, the Philips CDI or the 3DO that were kind of designed to be like that? Uh, 3DO. Like, oh. Yeah, you, yeah anybody like, could make one. Hmm. And nobody really did, because <laughs> nobody wanted it. Hmm. After people no, saw what it was. It was also way too expensive. Yeah, well, Panasonic had one, Goldstar had one, Sanyo had one, and there was a weird Japanese-only five-disc changer one for Love Hotels. I'm not making that up. That actually happened. No, I believe you. Yeah, Yeah, and those things kind of came out uh, at a time to try to capitalize on the the PS4 and the Xbox One not being as powerful as they potentially could be. Hmm. But people didn't realize, like, oh, actually, people are actually fine with that yeah. for the price. That's as much as they really wanted. If they wanted a PC, they'd get a PC. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, like, SteamOS just wasn't there. <laughs> it was yeah. bad. Now, um, I think it probably is there. So we'll see. Yeah, it's yeah, a whole so. lot closer. Um, I am, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, this, this will be the first Steam device that doesn't become $7 in year two. So, uh, yeah, pretty good investment. Yeah. Yeah. So. At least they found an interesting way to get around the scammer, not scammer, the scalpers. Uh, the scalpers. Oh. Uh, yeah. Cause you had to have a steam account that was created the day before it was announced. Mm-hmm. So people couldn't just make a bunch of accounts afterwards to pre-order a bunch of these. Yeah. yeah. I also think like that shows that, you know, valve, Really wants their audience to get a pick at it first. So. Yeah, yeah, they want to do everything through Steam as they can, which involves that's the reason why the the whole thing shut down for a while. Mm-hmm. It's because it's not made for that. Yeah, it kind which of is what up. happens every Steam sale. Yeah, as right as it happens, everything just runs like shit for a little while until people stop trying to rush it, and then it starts working. Yeah, so that's part of the the reason why people are having issues. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so that works for them because they're running everything through one uh, service mm. versus having 
you know, retailers to deal with, which is what Nintendo yeah. has to deal with. Yeah, they're not dealing with Best Buy or Amazon or GameStop. It's just all Valve. So, where you get the the PS5 situation where somebody accidentally put it up early, and everybody else decided, well, fuck it, we're putting it up early because we want that money. Yeah, and everything's a clusterfuck, and everybody's mad at Sony. It's like we didn't do shit. We told them to wait, yeah. and somebody said, fuck it. So, yeah, when you only got one place to go, you get all the good and bad that comes with that. Yeah. And yeah, so they're basically at this point taking reservations to fill whenever they got units to put out. Yeah. Uh, which works for them. I don't think they're putting out millions of these. No, they're much. not going to. Hmm. Maybe see like 100,000 or so here, probably total at this point. For now, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So now they got to actually get them made. Yeah. Make yeah. sure they have all the components and all that. Yep. So I'll be curious to see how many people actually get theirs, who gets delays, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, from the way that they're talking, I think the tech-wise, there's like, saying it's about on par with like the a PS4. Uh, pure like output. Uh, the power... It's yeah, well, like I mean, a, they talk about, you know, the teraflops was like, that's, that's completely yeah. meaningless, so... Yeah, um, like, in some ways, it's closer to the newer console is because it's all running on SSDs. Yeah. Internally, so, so that helps a lot. Yeah, uh, but pure power is kind of on par with that, which is still above what a Switch is doing. Yeah, so uh, you're going to get a decent gaming experience out of it. So, you know. yeah, because these games are also designed to run on most of the time, run on a variety of uh, specs. Yep, some will probably freak out, but that'll be fun to see as people like figure out like, oh, this game runs like shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, that's the, the Steam Deck. Yeah, seems neat. We managed not to say Stream Deck the, the entire podcast. So, oh yeah, good. that got announced the a couple hours later. Yeah, uh, the Stream Deck Elgato announced it. Stream Deck mm-hmm. Mark Two, I think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which I was like, all right, this is a good time. Uh, so that was uh, some good stuff there. Yep. And just how kind of weird the Steam Deck as a name is. Yeah. I don't know if there was necessarily a great name out there for him. Mm-hmm. I think the, the prototype name was like Steam Pal. Steam Pal. Which is like, it's really yeah. dumb. And also it probably confuse people in uh, the EU. Mm-hmm. We're used yeah. to that being the, oh, this is the, the shitty like resolution thing <laughs> that caused all our games to run in 50 FPS. <laughs> while everybody else got 60 FPS. <laughs> because EU people are stupid. <laughs> Sorry, EU viewers. Yeah. Listeners. Well, they know because they have to see when these games get brought to, you know, uh, Virtual Console and PSN, they get stuck with the 50 FPS then. Yeah. So. It's like, ah, you idiots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's get to uh, some more news. We had a bunch of delays announced. Yep. Uh, let's see, Ghostwire Tokyo is coming out early 2022 now. Yeah. I think exciting that's just uh, want to take the, the health of the team into account for this and not try to force everybody Much to like crunch. Crazy. Mm. Yeah, so they're pushing it to early next year. I was like, yeah, definitely mm. take your time. Yeah. No rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Ubisoft announced two delays of games. They just gave dates at E3. Yeah. yeah. A month and a half ago. Uh, Rainbow <laughs> Six Extraction. Yeah, has been just delayed to 2022. No date, yeah. I don't think. 
uh, January um, 2022, I think they're saying. Yeah, I think that delay probably has uh, a lot to do with the fact that uh, that game didn't really get much of a great reaction at E3. Nope. So, yeah, yeah. I got out for shower or, uh, you know, overtaken by a bunch of other games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, coming out this fall with everything else that's coming out, it's probably not a great idea. Yeah. So that's going to be awaiting a couple of extra months. Uh, the other one that got delayed, Riders Republic. Yeah. Was a September Which is a bummer because that one looked really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was September 2nd, now October 28th. Mm. So right into Buzzsaw, so sure. Uh, whatever. But yeah, that's wild to have these games get dates a few weeks ago now. Uh, yeah. I mean, wait. these were arguably their biggest releases of the year. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, now they're moving them out a bit. Yeah, I think this uh, Riders Republic is right after Fall, uh, Far Cry Six. Yeah, so that's uh, going to be interesting. Luckily for them, there's not really too much to compete with in the the racer extreme sports kind of thing this fall. So nope. they at least got a little bit of an open space there for them. Yeah, uh, and the last one's not really a delay thing. It's an interesting story that Kotaku has. Yeah, uh, talking about Skull and Bones. Yeah. Kind of finally hitting Alpha as they're yeah. figuring out what the hell they're doing with this game. Yeah. Despite being in the works for eight years. Yeah. Since eight after long uh, years. Yeah, since mm. after uh, Black Flag came out. Yeah. yeah. And partly the development documentaries for this game are gonna be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, and already probably, Kotaku's got not one but like two stories specifically about this that mm. are it's just insane. Um, mm. Basically, they handed this thing off to Ubisoft Singapore, and for a company that already has a very bad reputation among its workforce, Ubisoft Singapore appears to be the worst of the group. Oof. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like uh, part of the, the reason to have it being worked on in Singapore is sort of tax breaks mm. they could get from the uh, the government there, so Ubisoft they, uh, will take advantage of that. Yeah, uh, but I think there's also caveats to taking that money hmm. that has kind of bit them in the butt, as they can't just like cancel this game or anything like that hmm. uh, if the things go sour. So they're kind of forced to keep working on it hmm. uh, as they kind of figure out like what the hell this game is supposed to be. Yeah, because uh, it seems like that has changed a bit. Uh, from when it was initially announced as like a multiplayer kind of sandboxy thing. Yeah. Uh, it seems like now they're probably, I don't know, adding some more single player stuff to it, but mm. uh, it seems like they are definitely still working on it, but still kind of in a state that's not really that close to being done. Yeah. Well, so, like yeah, I said, you, it just hit alpha, so uh, it's still going to be a, a year at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've had to, you know, reboot it, that kind of thing. So hmm. definitely worth reading this article. It's a pretty long one, but it's interesting a bit of information about uh this game in particular and how it's how it's uh changed over the past eight years. Yeah. They have kind of one too many of these kind of games going on with uh Beyond and Evil Beyond Good and Evil Two kind of yeah. being the other one that's been in the works for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one at least seems to be just a case of like 
uh, just working on the game. Hmm. Yeah. Rather than maybe any sort of development hell. Hopefully. But, yeah. I hope so. As far as we know. But hmm. uh, at least it seems like Ubisoft's willing to foot the bill for this stuff. Uh, keep them going. Uh, trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. but In for a penny, in for a pound. Yep. Meanwhile, Splinter Cell fans can't get a game worth a damn. Yeah. Uh, as they announced another multiplayer uh, Tom Clancy's game. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, the greatest hits of groups from the, the various games. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be a game that Sam Fisher eventually shows up in. And people are like, nah, we want our games. Splinter Cell. Mm. Make it. But. They're like, no. Multiplayer, microtransactions, give it. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what Ubisoft likes to do. So. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's the the delays that have been announced recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to EA Play Live. Announced a, a handful of interesting things here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they showed off Lost in Random. Mm-hmm. Uh, showed off a good bit of gameplay, which has like a a neat bit of like action adventure kind of stuff to it, as well as card battle mm-hmm. uh, stuff. As you kind of get uh, like energy points or whatever that you can use to use these cards for like special abilities during a fight. Kind of a whole weird thing. They show off uh, gameplay, like two different trailers during the show. Mm. So weirdly, when the event started, it was a pre-show, turned into a pre-show. Yeah. Where they showed off Lost in Random, Apex Legends, like Madden, uh, show off a bit of that stuff. But then Lost in Random showed up again during the main show. Uh, show off some more stuff. It looks really nice. It's got a bit of like, uh, uh, Tim Burton kind of vibe to it, mm-hmm. which it's a game by Zoink Games, which has had that kind of style to them yeah. in their previous games, so it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, that'll be out September 10th. Looks pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited to check that out. So uh, let's see, they did announce the first like new Codemasters game yeah. under the EA ownership, Grid Legends. Okay. Uh, which has a story mode to it, which is using the same kind of uh, mixed reality performance capture stuff that uh, The Mandalorian is using. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Uh, let's see. It has a bunch of just uh, cool kinds of cars, which is kind of what you want because Grid 2 didn't really do that well. Mm. Seems mm-hmm. like. Uh, and they want their. It seems like this is going to be their need for speed for the, for this next year. Yeah. Uh, 2022 launch, no dates. Uh, seems like just on all the Playstations, Xboxes, and PC. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're not bringing any modern grid games to the Switch. Yeah. Last one was an old PS3, Xbox 360 game. Yep. As I said, here's the game nobody liked then. <laughs> Maybe you'll like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like, yeah, it has a bunch of different kinds of cars in it. Big rigs, open-wheeled uh, cars, drift cars, electric vehicles, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So that's Different eras neat. of cars, too, which is nice. Yeah. So that's neat. Mm. Uh, let's see. Battlefield 2042 was a big part of this. Yeah. And especially showing off this new portal uh, mode, which is kind of their community uh, creation suite. Uh, bringing in maps from... Uh, Battlefield 1942, Bad Company 2, and Battlefield 3. Uh, there's oh. two from each of those that are going to be available in this mode. 40-plus uh, weapons from 
uh, all three of those games, a bunch of different of the uh, uh, vehicles and such, as well as uh, a bunch of other things. Yeah, they and it seems like a way of creating a bunch of just wacky match types and such. Uh, and the, the gameplay they showed basically had the one team was uh, defibrillators uh, versus another team with combat knives. So, you know, that kind of uh, mayhem. Okay. I just saw, yeah. like, different support types from the, the previous games. Uh, it seems like uh, from what I was reading, a previews, they have, like, their own, like, coding system. I forget what it was based off of. Uh, the dev mentioned a specific, like, visual coding system that there's this kind of based off of, like, Blocky or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it is. But yeah, you can basically decide how the rules work, all that kind of stuff. There's sort of some baseline stuff if you just want to get, you know, a quick thing. But uh, it seems like there's a lot of, uh, f- you know, uh, flexibility to this tool set. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're that, trying that to diagram, it. that thing looks an awful lot like Unreal Blueprints, which is a pretty good way of going about it because it's pretty visual. So, yeah. I think it's the kind of thing a lot of tool sets use yeah. at this point. Um, yeah, Blockly. Yeah. Uh, that is a programming language that is pretty similar yeah. to stuff like Microsoft uses and some other things. Mm. I forget what it was. Somebody saw the, I think one of the Division 2 like, behind the scenes things showed them using this and people were like, making fun of them. It's like, dude, all the big games are using this. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier on everybody yeah. to be able to make changes and all that instead of having to go into line by line code and all this shit for these fucking complex games. Yeah. So yeah, giving uh, people the ability to like mess around and do their own thing inside of games is uh, kind of important. And I think it's something that's kind of been lost in uh, late lately with the big games. Yeah. So, uh, Especially nice. for a game like battlefield. That's about the sort of sandbox multiplayer experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I give them the tool sets uh, weapons and vehicle types and all this stuff. Yeah. And let them just create chaos and see how cool that is. Hmm. Can we have mechs versus biplanes? That's that's what I want to know. Uh, potentially, I think this is the thing they're going to be adding to yeah, in different so games. So that's going to be fun. Potentially yeah. get some like maybe twenty one forty two stuff in there. Yeah. At some point, but for now, it seems to be uh, World War Two, uh, Bad Company Two, which is modern day, and Battlefield Three, which is Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of stuff. So, yeah, that could be. And Bad Company Two is Vietnam, but or no, no. Bad Company One was Vietnam. Yeah, mm. Bad Company Two was just uh, modern, all over yeah. the place, like their Call mm. of Duty kind of game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's gonna be neat to see how this all works. Mm. Uh, the stuff they showed in the the trailer looks just ridiculous. Mm. So that's gonna be awesome. pretty cool. Yeah, a much better way to get people playing that game long term than uh, a battle royale mode. Yeah, it didn't seem to do well for them. I think. Uh, Maybe battle royale modes are starting to phase out a little bit. Yeah, somewhat. But I think I it's... mean Fortnite is still doing well with theirs. Yeah, but they just got so many people there; it's kind of hard. Yeah, Call of Duty's is huge. Fall Guys is a big one. Yeah, uh, you just have to have the right, the right ideas for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. rather than just like oh we're, it's like PUBG. It's like yeah. okay, well we just play PUBG. Yeah. yeah. It's like nobody has to move to the new thing. Yeah. 
if it's yeah, not doing anything interesting. It's not really enough to uh, have the idea. It has to make sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, you have to like know what the roadmap is. And yeah. that's something, you know, Fortnite has, has been doing an amazing job with Call of Duty and even um, Apex Legends. So, mm. yeah. And then you have like stuff like Tetris 99, which shouldn't work, but does. Yeah. 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 And you have the background one doesn't seem like it's hitting mm. at all for people. Yeah. Nintendo removed the Mario one because I don't know why. Yeah, because Nintendo. This is yeah. the 35th anniversary. You can't have it in the 36th anniversary. Nope. That's ridiculous. It's called Mario 35, not 36. Mm-hmm. So that's not how it works. Yeah. But yeah, they ended this event with Dead Space, a remake that is happening. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they are doing a lot of work on this thing. Uh, it's being made out of Motive. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be neat to see being remade in Frostbite. Yeah, it will be neat to see. I just wish that EA wasn't the reason that franchise died in the first place and killed the studio that made it. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, this uh, they talked about a number of things that they're doing here. Obviously, it's only on the new consoles. Of course. And PC, so they'll be able to kind of go all out on uh, tech improvements and all that. To, yeah. Same things like no loading screens, so there won't be any moments where you're taken out of the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they're fully rebuilding, so they're sort of rethinking how uh, areas are made and all that. Yeah. So that'll be nice to have, you know, areas where you're not necessarily, like, this is an obvious, you know, loading area, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3D audio will be really big for this, uh, for that, so that'll be pretty cool. Like, flesh out story stuff. Because yeah. that was just a game that was just made for, you know, just to be one game. Yeah. Like I said, like a, a movie thing. Also, they're doing like a little multimedia kind of thing. Yeah. But they're kind of flesh it out a little bit. So that'll be neat. And they say there are no microtransactions because there's not really anything to put that in. Single player game. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Dead Space 3 had it because it was co-op and there's like the crafting stuff, I guess. Which made no sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they... Confirm that they're not adding anything that would make microtransactions a thing that could happen. So, hmm. yeah, that Good. could be neat. But they barely showed anything, so it still seems pretty early for this game. Yeah. So they're kind of going with the like Resident Evil 2 or 3 remake kind of route over a more basic remaster. Yeah. For this, which is, I think, a good thing because people, the people that still play that game, will want something new. This is a good way to give them mostly the same thing, but refresh it so they have some new surprises. Yeah, and it could also, if it does well, lead to that franchise finally coming back. So Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, the ending of Dead Space 3, from what I've heard, is an amazing thing. Because but it, not in the ways that you expect. Yeah. Yeah, because I'll spoil this because it's not... That important the game point. has been out for too long, and let's be honest, it's shit to play anyway, so go ahead yeah. and spoil it. Yeah. Uh, basically, the uh, the markers that yeah. are, have been causing all this, uh, they come from uh, the moon. Yep. So, I think in the, the expansion that they released, you have to go uh, to the moons to kill the markers because like it's, the entire planet is the marker yeah uh that whole thing like it's a whole weird ass thing 
Just to blow up the moon. Mm-hmm. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. D- don't don't think, yeah, the, they had really thought that whole thing through. Mm-hmm. Was it one of those like, oh, this is very stupid and ridiculous. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you blow up the moon and, um, yeah, we're going to have problems over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some there's some neat story stuff they did with those games. Maybe not the way that you would expect coming from the first game, but, you know, there's some ambitious stuff there. So, yeah. There's that. Let's get to our final story of the day as this episode's getting a little long here, but the state of California, the <sighs> Department of Fair Employment and Housing is suing Activision Blizzard uh, because... Yeah. This is an investigation they've been doing for two years. Yeah. So it's not like a thing that's happening without, you know, uh, lots of evidence. But and before anyone asks, uh, yes, this goes back before the acquisition by Activision. This goes back all the way to the early 2000s. Yeah. It's alleging that they've had a frat boy workplace culture that has led to years of harassment and abuse targeting the yeah. women in its workforce. Yeah, they talk about shit like getting drunk and going on what they call cube crawls. Yeah, where they um, have men take a shot at uh, one office cubicle yeah. uh, and go to the next one, take a shot to talk to the person there. Yeah. Sometimes women and them being gross. Apparently there was also trading of nude pictures of some of the female employees as well. Yeah, here's uh, some of the stuff they say here. Male employees probably come to work hungover, play mm-hmm. video games for long periods of time during work while delegating their responsibilities to female employees, engage in banner about their sexual encounters, talk openly about female bodies, and joke about rape. Yeah. Female employees are subject to constant sexual harassment, including having to continually fend off unwanted sexual comments and advances by their male coworkers and supervisors and being groped at the cube crawls and other company events. High-ranking executives and creators engaged in blatant sexual harassment without repercussions. A very tragic example, a female employee committed suicide during a business trip with a male supervisor who had brought yeah. a lubricant with him on, a, on the trip. Yeah, that's the, that's, the, that's the nail in the coffin right there. Mm. Which uh, That's a morbid choice of words considering what was just said, but yeah, yeah. man, that, that is... And it like it implicates a lot of the people you would hope would not be implicated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I've read a couple of books about Blizzard so far. Yeah. And based on how those two particular uh, companies ended up getting founded and the people that did found them. Yeah. Um, and the kind of behavior that went on in both of them. This yeah. doesn't surprise me very much at all. No, I mean, that, honestly, Blizzard is not unique in this regard. Pretty much all the major PC uh, and, you know, video game companies that got founded in the early 90s and the late 80s here in the U.S. are very similar. I mean, you've yeah. read Masters of Doom. I mean, you got the same shit over at id Software when they started out. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, so like Mike Morheim, you know, the guy who's considered to be like the soul of Blizzard, you know, until he... You know, left the Blizzard North. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who left the company a couple years ago? He hmm. put out a statement, you know, um, where you know he's really apologetic. You know, he uh, he's like, look, I, you know, it was uh, I failed all the women who work at this company, et cetera, et cetera. 
And yeah, on the one hand, saying he like he thought he was trying to do the right thing, but failed all yeah. of them. Um, from what people have told me, by the last few years he was there, Morheim had become more of a figurehead than anything else. Mm. Um, I'm not yeah. sure like how much actual control he had over the company. But again, this shit goes back even before the Activision acquisition. So yeah, this was happening yeah. before. Mm. Yeah, this was still happening under your watch. So, mm. so yeah, this isn't anything recent, and anybody should be looking at the yeah. the higher ups that have left to form new companies with the side eye, uh-huh. yeah. at the very least. Because um, uh, it seems like a lot of them have put out statements that are basically either go, "I didn't know what was going on," or you know. Things happen. I should have done better, but you know, I fucked up. It's like, yeah, but also people were, you know, Mike Morhaime's thing. Like some of the women that work there, like, dude, I've told you what was going on. Yeah, yeah. you said you were going to do something, but never did. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, and then of course there's. <clears throat> Go ahead. It's interesting that you brought up the thing about its software. I mean, like, um, I remember watching uh, last year. What, what was it on Netflix? I think it was called High Score. Um, yeah. Six part documentary series, and yeah. then when, when they talk about how Doom was created and like the overall like culture within the guys that created it, I mean, I mean, again, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from the from the talent that these guys had, but like you know their lifestyle is just kind of like kind of permeate with uh, this kind of stuff. So I mean, like you said earlier, when as soon as this this news came out, you know, it's not anything like you want to hear, but. I don't think any um, this surprises anybody, and and it's, it's it's not just gaming either. It's like almost any Silicon Valley based company that you know has like a rock and roll like kind of attitude in regards to the work that they do. Like this kind of stuff is around, and um, you know it's it 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 sucks that it's it, it's gone to this point. But at the same time, like you know, professionalism does have to like come out somewhere, and it's just well. I mean, that. you got to remember the reason those companies have had and you know that sort of rock and roll atmosphere is because they were specifically founded that way as an alternative to like the big stodgy tech companies that a lot of these guys originally worked for. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, like I mean, they yeah again going back to Masters of Doom, you know, uh, John Romero himself specifically talks about how you know part of the reason he left his old job and went you know decided to go whole hog with it was because just the stodgy way that, you know, his co-workers were acting, uh, you know, when, you know, when he thought it was something so cool, you know. Uh, yeah, you're going to tell me a company with John Romero, John Carmack, and what, American McGee? Yeah. Like, isn't it a fucking weird-ass shitty place? Yeah. At times? Uh, yeah, it was weird, but not in, like, the... Not in like the sleazy kind of weird. It was just weird in the weird. There probably wasn't that many women as they would be if they were a modern company. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had, uh, uh, crap, I can't remember. I can't a remember. They, she was there. What's her name? Who's the receptionist? Who's literally the only person from the original company that's still there. That's still there now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but then luckily so they were like, in a okay. weird place where there wasn't as many women as they are these days. Yeah, well, I mean... All the good and bad that could be, I guess. Yeah. Like you said, you know, the gaming industry has had a sexism problem for a long time, and that's mostly because it was founded by people who were the nerds of the high school, you know? It's just that type of... When, you know, the whole nerd and jock sort of, you know, dialectic was still in play. I mean, that that isn't really a thing anymore. Um, Yeah. If it, you it, didn't fit in in other tech places. 
Yeah. yeah. And then there's also it's like, okay, so this is like more of like, oh God, is this going to implicate like all the other people at Blizzard that we like? Like, is Samwise going to get implicated in this shit? Is freaking Chris Metzen going to get implicated? Speaking of which, by the way, uh, Metzen has not said anything yet, but apparently uh, on a Twitter thread somewhere where they were talking about this, he apparently accidentally uh, typed in his name as like a tweet because I think he was originally trying to like put it into like a search bar to see if anybody has named him or something. Yeah. Not a good move, dude. Especially if you don't delete it right away. Which he did. But uh, that guy is probably somebody people are having notifications for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. God, it's. Yeah. So I hate to hear about shit like this, but. I also wanted to nuke all the top execs, especially Bobby Kotick. Yeah. Should be shit canned and forced to give up that $200 million. And then he should be fired. Mm. From a yeah. cannon, yeah. So yeah, he made mm. yeah, he made you a shit ton of money, but he also brought you to this point. Yeah, where you're getting sued by the state of California. Yeah, yeah. and a thing um, that is not a unique thing in this industry, but will be made as an example because uh, Activision and Blizzard both started in California, so their headquarters, yeah. as a, a full company, are in California. Yeah. They're not necessarily no, one was spread NorCal, out like one was, well, they were, yeah, one was NorCal, one was SoCal. Yeah. You'll yeah. also notice a lot, something else a lot of people brought up that may be a coincidence. Um, we mentioned that this, this uh, investigation started a couple years ago. Uh, you also might have noticed that a bunch of the old guards started leaving Blizzard right around 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to necessarily say it's a coincidence. But that's an awfully uh, convenient coincidence. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, even if they even if they leave, it's not like uh, you can still get implicated, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're still going to yeah. get implicated. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the ultimate penalties could be of this whole thing. Cause it seems like it's still yeah. working its way through their systems. Well, hopefully but... they're going to have to pay out the ass. I mean, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. yeah it and seems maybe like some the, people are gonna get shit canned, especially yeah. Kodak. Hmm. Yeah. Sees the uh, they brought the suit seeking an injunction that will force Activision Blizzard to not only begin complying with state workplace laws, but also address quote unpaid wages, pay adjustments, back pay, and lost wages and benefits for female employees. Hmm. So another part of this was uh, a lot of women, even if they were getting promoted, were getting paid at a small fraction of what men in their positions would get. There's these companies, on the, of course. On the uh the Morheim uh thread they got here on Kotaku, they've got a couple people commenting who claim that they worked uh at Blizzard at one point. One of these dudes, he says this, he says, I worked with Morheim for many years. He was the only non rotten upper management in my experience, always extremely polite and humble. Yes, humble. When I first started at the company, it was around thirty people and it was like my second day. I was going into the building. He tried to get in behind me. I didn't let him in. I didn't know who he was. Uh, he did not get angry. He just set his briefcase on the ground, got his badge out, and badged in. Uh, later called me into his office, introduced himself, and said I did the right thing. Now, I know people who reported harassment to HR and were let go from the company in order to avoid drama and not to mess with the culture. The people they reported are were never even talked to. 
So I don't know if Morheim knew this was going on, but from my personal experience, I would believe him he said that he didn't. Now, all the other douches, they are just that. During my years at Blizzard, I saw the company go from 30 to 3,000 with WoW exploding, and it got really, really shitty, so I left. But then you'll also bring suits like, dude, he was still... Like, this is early 2000s. This is before WoW was even a thing. Yeah. You know. Also, yeah. that one anecdote doesn't disprove anybody yeah. else's. No. Yeah. It could have been no. nice to some people and not nice or... I mean, just... look, even if he was just a figurehead, he still had a responsibility to say something. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was just a minor complaint. You know, just say fucking something. Yeah. But he didn't. He kept quiet. Yeah. So... Yeah, and it doesn't help that the modern Acti- Activision Blizzard uh, of late has hired a number of people from the Trump and Bush administrations. Yes. So their mm-hmm. response to this has been basically saying, let's see, DFEH includes distorted and in many cases false descriptions of Blizzard's past. They've been extremely cooperative with the DFEH throughout the investigation, including providing extensive data and ample documentation. They refused to inform us of what issues they perceived. Uh, it's a bunch of stuff calling them, is this type of irresponsible behavior from unaccountable state bureaucrats that are driving many of the state's best businesses out of California? Uh, I was like, no, it's the, the high cost of living and wildfires that are probably driving people out of California. Also, yeah. it's time to remind people that Activision Blizzard is one of the biggest contributors to the GOP monetarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So might want to bring that up. Yeah. So. That was uh, one of the most like assholeish responses that anybody in Activision Blizzard uh, could have made. So yeah, like fuck that. I mean, yeah. like uh, with, with with everything that we're seeing on this lawsuit, you know, I, I just want to like uh, pull up this one thing from Newsweek. One person named in the suit is Alex Afrashabi, the former senior creative director of World of Warcraft at Blizzard Entertainment. He okay. is accusing. Uh, he is accused of engaging in blatant sexual harassment with little to no repercussions, including attempting to kiss and grope female employees and calling, sorry, them derogatory names at company events. Afrashabi was, uh, was so known to engage in harassment of females that his suite was nicknamed the Crosby Suite after Bill Cosby, according to the lawsuit. Like, I mean, when you have examples like that, there, there, there's, there's nothing to defend yourself here. Oh. And like, the, the the main reason why like this is such a huge story i mean like uh, aside from the fact that we have all this content on it and aside from the fact that it's activision blizzard is um the fact that this is actually a lawsuit like the fact that this is being uh, brought up to court means that you know action is going to be taken it's not just yeah. like this random thing where we're, we're, we're going to see companies like do uh surveys on themselves to figure out what's wrong like this 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 has monetary repercussions and can like literally ruin anybody so yep. this is the one way that you can get a big company like Activision to listen. You sue the hell out of them. And yeah, yeah this is serious stuff. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I will just to wrap this all up, I will say this. Uh, Blizzard most recently released, released the Blizzard Arcade Collection, which is the collection of their three uh, old classic games that they released right around the time the first Warcraft came out. It's, uh, it's on sale, too. Yeah, it's uh, it's Lost Vikings, Blackthorn, and Rock and Roll Racing. Mm. If you really want to play these games, but you don't feel like giving your money to Blizzard, as the company stands now, you can go to Blizzard's website and you can download all three of these games to your PC or Mac for for, for free. Yeah, they didn't take those down. 
yeah, all three of them are available. You can get all of them. You don't have to pay them a dime. Yeah. So if you want, really want to play those games, and I understand why you would, because they're all amazing games, yes, you can go there at the Blizzard's website, and you can download them for free. Yep, so that's that. Uh, definitely killed a lot of interest in any Diablo stuff in the near future. Yeah. Um, they already kind of have my money for Resurrected, so I'm kind of stuck there, but... Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, yeah, I kind of, like, pretty much... Uh, Threw Blizzard out the window with the whole BlizzChunk stuff. Like I'm, a, I'm a huge Overwatch fan, but I, for the most part, stopped playing it. And Activision is a company that I don't really have very many ties to, aside from like uh, Crash Bandicoot and Tony Hawk. But they closed those studios, so uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, at uh, least they got us Crash Bandicoot for before they for this hammer dropped. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that's all I really need for the time being. Is also as any as the say. But also, as the saying goes, there is no such thing as as ethical consumption under capitalism. So, no, you know, uh, I I mean, I don't really play much Activision titles anyway. Hmm. I do like Blizzard, and uh, yeah, this uh, it's infuriating. Yeah, yep. it'd be nice if that could be split off again, but you know, I don't think that's going to happen in the near future. Yeah, this uh... Bungie got lucky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there's an article of them talking about it. I didn't read it. I imagine they're like, "Well, we're out of here, so it's nothing." Dodge that bullet. <laughs> yeah, we're over here making people mad about emotes and shit. So, whatever. Uh, hmm. But yeah, uh, that'll do it for the show. Don't be an asshole. Yeah, yeah, don't be an asshole. That's the that's the that's the title for this week's show. Don't be an asshole. Yeah, hopefully the one good thing is it causes every other major publisher to uh, look at what they're doing. Yeah. Even if they're not necessarily legally required to, you know, do the things that uh, Activision Blizzard is getting sued about in this. But you know what? You need to treat your people well. Otherwise, you're not going to have people to work on these games. That's every major company in the world. Yep. Uh, there's a reason why there's lots of uh, fast food places and such in here in the U.S. that are not fully staffed that have had, you know, we're hiring signs for weeks or months because they're not paying well for yeah. the shit people are getting paid to do. When you get to the point where people are like, you know what, I would rather leave this job and starve to death in an alley somewhere than work one more day at this shit. You've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Video games are supposed to be a fu- more fun business to work in. Yeah. And even for all the the way that publishers love to grind out uh, the young people uh, to the bone just to get what they're worth out of it, uh, they definitely need people to be able to keep coming in. And this is going to mm-hmm. definitely affect their ability to retain talent in Activision. Yep. Ubisoft has said the same thing in their financials. They're going to have issues with this. Yep. Because they haven't properly addressed that stuff. Yeah. Just wanted to quickly like pull one more quote from uh, Janet Garcia. She's a former IGN. She's a freelancer now. She um, also does some work with Kind of Funny. It's a cruel joke that women in the games industry are the most likely, likely to be accused of not being passionate enough when they literally love an industry that does not love them back. I'm media, not a dev, but there are many days where I wish I could love something else. Like, you know, um, women make up 
uh, what was it, 44% of like gamers nowadays? Like, I'm rising. Yeah, it's and, and, and it's continuing to rise like every day. And it's just um, bizarre that, you know, we can't give the, we, we in, in 2021, we still can't give them the respect that they deserve in the medium, whether yeah. that be you know, actual gameplay or, um, you know, in the workplace, you know, they've, 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 they've done a lot, especially um, in recent years. And it's just a shame, you know? Yeah. Yeah. These companies love to talk about how the gaming industry is the biggest in the world and they're definitely abusing it. Yeah. yeah. And like as, as much money as the game industry makes, it could make a whole lot more just by treating people better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what a lot of the, the better indie studios are finding out. It's like, Hey, you treat everybody fairly. Guess what? They want to stay around. Oh. Uh, and the more you have people stay around, the more familiarity they have, the better games you make. Usually. Usually. Not everybody that sticks together makes amazing games all the time, but you give yourself a better shot than if you're constantly bringing in new people uh, or just having to constantly shut yourselves down because you're not making anything. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, definitely we need these companies to take a stock of their employees as people and not just numbers Mm -hmm. on a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah, because we want to keep playing awesome games, yeah. big, small, yeah. whatever. And we can't do that if companies are just being shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's becoming uh, harder to do. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be uh, a sad end to the show for this week. But like one good thing, the the Final Fantasy mm-hmm. Pixel remasters of one and three, one two three, are mm-hmm. out this week. Yay! On Steam, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think they are 20% off for the launch, so you can get them a little bit of a discount there. Uh, you can buy the whole bundle for like 75 bucks and hope the, the others aren't similarly priced, but see if uh, these are the, the good 50% of their remasters or the bad 50%. Mm. Yeah. Right now, it could go either way. Mm. That font looks dumb. And these giant giant blue boxes with the font that's tight squeezed right into the top left corner. It's like let it breathe, Jesus Christ, people. Mm-hmm. We survived the NES versions of these games. We can make it better on PC. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it for this week. Thank you to Brandon, Dan, Reb, and Phil for joining this week. Mm, no problem. We'll be back next week uh, with a new slate of news. Hopefully, some less shitty stuff. Yeah. But yeah, for we also have the role interview. Ace Attorney coming out this week, so it's a big week. Yeah, yeah. So we got some stuff coming out this week, as it's the the last week of July. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we can start off August with a, a better slate of news. So uh, that is Daisy Update for this week. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one, and we'll see you next time.